October the 28th, 2022. Happy Halloween. I love Halloween as we get close to uh, a fun holiday. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have NCAA Football Week 9 to discuss. We'll preview all the biggest games here. Then we dive into NFL Week 8 with Eric. We'll talk some Friday and Saturday racing. Keeneland for Friday and for Saturday best bets. Santa Anita for Friday and for Saturday best bets for both racetracks. And then we'll finish up this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by BetterThan.Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now on Twitter and make sure to flip those notifications on because they have a free live stream basically every single day previewing all the biggest events in sports. Check them out, BetterThan.Vegas. Also free. The Pick'em Contest at Santa Anita every Saturday, every Sunday. There's $1,000 given away to the winner. These are prop contests. They're free to enter. You don't have to give a credit card or anything. All you do is create a free account, and then you select answers to 12 questions. Some of them ask you who's going to win race number one at Santa Anita on Saturday. You have to pick who you think is going to win the race. Others ask you the point spread in the college football games. Others will be cross-sport props. What number is higher? Total goals scored in uh, by one team in a hockey game or wins by a jockey on Santa Anita's Saturday card? If you love racing, if you like sports, if you like free contests where you can win $1,000 for nothing, you'll enjoy those. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com Now, I actually have a lot of other content that's not on this show, so tomorrow we'll have another episode that will have Andor, Episode 8, The Deep Dive, the scene-by-scene recap with Michael Foster and Trevor Hayes. We'll have our She-Hulk season finale with Tim Kelly, so we'll get you Episode 9 and then final thoughts on the the She-Hulk series. And then the old wrestling rewatch. We have SummerSlam 2013, so be paying attention for that. That'll be coming out in the next couple days. Honestly, couldn't fit all of that on this episode, so we have a lot coming up. And then next week... It'll be Breeders' Cup, so we'll dive into the Breeders' Cup with our previews. We will have 15 different guests joining us over a couple different shows, and we'll talk about every single Breeders' Cup race with a different guest. A couple times we'll talk about uh, one race with two people, and we'll do a, a few races with a group. But I'm, I'm really pumped. It's a great time in sports. And we can get right into NCAA football. Let's talk a little bit about some of the biggest games coming up in Week 9. We get to talk about a few other teams that have some marquee games this week. But let's start out with Ohio State and Penn State. Ohio State around a 15.5-point favorite in this one over under around 60-61. Ohio State comes into this game 7-0, 4-2-1 against the spread. Penn State 6-1, 4-3 against the spread. Ohio State played Iowa last week. They had to settle for 4 field goals in the red zone in the first half after starting each of those drives inside the Iowa 35. They do have the second best scoring offense in the nation, averaging over 49 points per game. But Stroud hasn't looked as sharp lately. Still been great by the numbers, but he's thrown an interception in four consecutive games. The defense for Ohio State has also been very good. They rank second in total defense, third in passing defense, and they're only allowing 14.8 points per game. They're 8th in rushing defense, only allowing 90 yards rushing per game. They've won 5 straight against Penn State. On the Penn State side, Clifford looked healthy last week. 
295 yards, four touchdowns in the win over Minnesota, and their pass defense ranks third in the nation in completion percentage, and they have only allowed six touchdowns with seven interceptions so far this year. That'll be maybe the place to look for the matchup, the real key matchup in there. I think I'd probably play Penn State to keep this game close at 15 and a half, your three-score game basically there. So I would lean Penn State as we move to Notre Dame versus Syracuse. Notre Dame four and three, six, uh, three and four against the spread. Syracuse six and one straight up, six and one against the spread. They had a 14-point lead in the first half before losing to Clemson by six. After getting that lead, here were their possessions. Punt, 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 interception. And for some reason, Tucker only had two carries in the second half. When the offense had a 90th percentile performance running the ball and a 16th percent throwing the ball. They also had 10 penalties and went 3 of 11 on third down. Notre Dame has won four of their last five. They come off their second highest point total of the year and their largest margin of victory. Syracuse around a three-point favorite in this game over under 47. Florida versus Georgia. 22 and a half point favorite in here are the Georgia Bulldogs over under 57. Georgia is 7 and 0, 4 and 3 against the spread. Florida is 4 and 3 overall, 3 and 4 against the spread. Florida comes into this off a of bye as does Georgia. Florida's defense has allowed opponents to average 185 yards rushing and 244 yards passing per game. They've allowed opponents to convert 52.6% of their third downs. That ranks 130 out of 131. The only school that's worse than them is Colorado. Last year, quarterback Richardson was really bad against Georgia. In a two-minute stretch in the game, he had three turnovers that led to three Georgia touchdowns and put the game at 24 to nothing. He was benched, finished 12 of 20 for 82 yards with two interceptions and a lost fumble. This year, he's thrown the ball a little bit better as of late. He now has over 1,300 yards, but the real strength is running the ball, 56 carries, and an average of 7.1 yards per attempt. Their running back Johnson can also break big runs, averaging 7.2 yards per carry on 59 attempts. For Georgia, they lead the SEC in points allowed per game at 9.1. That's second nationally. They're top five nationally in rushing defense and in passing yards allowed. They're eighth in scoring offense with over 45 points per game. There's a reason why this is one of the best football teams in the country. Bennett has completed over 72% of his passes for 2,000 plus yards, seven touchdowns, one interception, and the offense is second in the country in yards per game with over 526. I would love to take Florida in this spot. I just can't. I don't think I can with both of these teams coming off the bye. Let's move to Wake Forest at Louisville. Wake Forest is a four-point favorite on the road at Louisville over-under in this game, 62. Wake Forest is 6-1 and one straight up, 6-1 and one against the spread. Louisville 4-3 and three straight up, 4-3 and three against the spread. Louisville enters this game off back-to-back victories. Quarterback Cunningham has run for nine touchdowns this year, thrown for five. He threw for multiple touchdowns for the first time this year uh, last week against Pittsburgh. And the defense for Louisville has forced at least three turnovers in each of its last four games, which is the longest streak for them in 22 years. On the Wake Forest side, they've won three games in a row by double digits after that loss to Clemson in double overtime. 
They're 10th in the country in scoring offense, averaging over 41 points per game. Last week, quarterback Hartman counted uh, for six touchdowns, five passing, and one rushing, and now has 93 touchdown passes, ranking third all-time in the ACC, just behind Phillip Rivers. I still think Wake is better, but this is a good spot for Louisville at home, and that's a it's kind of a trappy number as we get to Oklahoma State and Kansas. Oklahoma State is a slight underdog in this game. Kansas State is a one and a half point favorite over under fifty six and a half. You have Oklahoma State six and one, five and two against the spread. Kansas State five and two, four two and one against the spread. Really tough to make a a call on this game right now because we're not sure the health of Martinez for Kansas State. In fact, Martinez, the quarterback, got hurt. Then Howard replaced him, and he actually got hurt. They were down to their third-string quarterback, a redshirt freshman, in the fourth quarter. So it's hard to get deeper into that game, but it is a very big game for the conference, Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Cincinnati and Central Florida. Cincinnati 6-1, and one, but they're 2-4-1 and one against the spread. UCF is 5-2 and two straight up, 4-3 and three against the spread. Cincinnati has started to get a little bit better each week after the, the week one loss to Arkansas, although last week they were ahead, uh, ahead by 15 leading uh, going into the fourth quarter, but they almost blew that game. They had 14 penalties for 128 yards. They do lead the nation in sacks per game with over four, and they have nine tackles per uh, tackles for loss per game. Their running back, McClellan, has rushed for over 300 yards and three touchdowns on 37 carries in the last two weeks. On the UCF side, they have a top 20 scoring offense. They're averaging 37.3 points per game. They're coming off a loss last week at East Carolina. And the quarterback, Plumley, he had a tough week throwing. He had three interceptions and just 38 yards rushing, 2.7 yards per carry. Cincinnati is a slight favorite, one-point favorite on the road at UCF. Final two games of the week, Kentucky at Tennessee. Kentucky is 5-2, and 5-2 and two against the spread. Tennessee 7-0 and oh straight up, 6-1 and one against the spread. Kentucky comes into this game off a bye, and I think that's key for them trying to stay close in this game. Tennessee is a 12.5-point favorite over-under in this game, 63.5. Last time we saw Kentucky running back Chris Rodriguez ran for 197 yards on 31 carries in a win over Mississippi State. But the key to this game could be Will Levis. Can he adjust? Can they adjust and make this a Will Levis game? Because Tennessee's weakness is their secondary. You can throw the ball against them. But Tennessee is very good against the run. Tennessee is 6th in the nation in rushing success rate on defense. They're 7th in EPA per rush on defense. They're 13th in stuff rate. But they're outside the top 100 in EPA per pass allowed. Tennessee led by Hooker. 2,400 yards passing, 18 touchdown passes, just one interception. They lead college football, averaging over 50 points per game and over 571 yards per game. They have a stud wide receiver, Hyatt, with 769 yards in seven games and 12 touchdowns. As a team, they rush for over 200 yards per game. They convert third downs at over 51%. This is a good football team. I think it's a good spot for Kentucky, though, coming off the bye. I think they can keep this game close enough. I like Kentucky here, plus the points. We finish up with Michigan State. Michigan, really bad Michigan State team this year. 3-4 and four straight up, end against the spread. Michigan 7-0 and oh straight up, 4-3 and three against the spread. Michigan State did beat Michigan the last two times. 
coming off a, a win in double overtime against Wisconsin. They had lost four games in a row prior to that. They can't run the ball this year. They average just 3.7 yards per carry. But the quarterback, Thorne, is coming off his best game of the year, completing 75% of his passes with two touchdowns and no interceptions. Michigan has allowed 17 points or less in six of their seven games. And the defense ranks among the top 10 in eight different categories. Their running black, their running back is awesome, 13 touchdowns, 6.2 yards per carry. And he's coming up on 1,000 yards for the season already. He's 90-ish yards away or so. Michigan, a 22.5 point favorite against Michigan State. Total in this game, 54.5. That's a look at some of the biggest games for college football this weekend. While we're talking football, let's move on over and talk NFL Week 8 with Eric. We dive into all of the games for Week 8. <clears throat> Eric actually joined me to talk about the Thursday night game, and I played uh, I played our uh, conversation on social media, but we, uh, we'll pick it up from following the Thursday night game. So if it sounds like it's uh, an abrupt start to the conversation, that's because we uh, we I edited out the first game since the Thursday night game is already finished. Eric joins for NFL Week 8, line movement, game analysis. We recap some of the things from last week. We talk fantasy. We talk DFS. We talk numbers, best bets, prop plays, everything you need for NFL Week 8. As we move to the Broncos-Jags, we have another London game here. Both of these teams come in 2-5. and five. And my, how things changed quickly for the Jags. <laughs> so it, I'm hearing that Russell Wilson is on the plane, and he doesn't really get jet-lagged, Eric, because, you know, he he's so used to all these types of trips and traveling all the time, his body doesn't get jet-lagged. When everyone else was sleeping, he was actually doing exercises in the aisle. He was walking up and down the aisle the entire time on the flight over there. His body was used to it. Then he was getting treatment for a little bit. And then the uh, the last two hours, it was all film, film, film. So the entire time he didn't sleep a wink, he let us know exactly what he was doing, how he's feeling. He's feeling fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things. Just, did you hear the thing? Like, I saw a clip on Twitter because I, I follow, uh, what's his face? Marshawn Lynch. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Lynch was saying it like for him to get a hold of Wilson, he needs to call Wilson's agent, okay? And then Wilson's agent will inform no, his manager will inform Wilson and then Wilson will get a hold of him. That's just the type of guy he Which is. Absolutely like blows my mind. Like Th- this I have- is I have friends that like, like have played in the NFL. Like I have a good friend who's an NFL coach, you know, like friends in the NBA, like those guys would never say, Hey, call my manager. You know I what know. I mean? It's like, just call me, dude. We're boys. We were on the team together. We want to suit. We won games together. We were in the trenches. Call me, man. Like, what do you, who do you think you are? You know? And now for me, field- team, it comes down to a simple thing. I mentioned it on fourth and inches. Um, Number 94, I'm not even going to pronounce. Your boy. From the Jags. Yeah. Um, He's still not 100%. Very limited in his snaps. When he's not out there, 
that limits Allen, that limits Walker, and he's still not 100%. So that D-line, their pass rush is gone. Um, and you I know what? Know. I didn't – I understand, okay, hey, what? They're not going to use James Robinson anymore, so get something for him. So they traded James Robinson to the Jets. But, you know, when James Robinson touched the ball over 12 times, they were 2-0. and When he touched the ball less than that, they were 0-5. And yeah. – they just I, I, it's not that Etienne is bad. Etienne is talented. He's not an every down between the backs running back right now. His numbers still look good, but that's not his role. You need to use, you needed to use Robinson that way and you get Etienne the ball if you want in different ways. That's fine. But it, it's sort of, it's one of those things too, that you kind of wonder, like, I mean, Lawrence and Etienne are obviously close, but like Lawrence really liked Robinson. He talked about it early in the year. I think a lot of the guys on this team really liked Robinson and probably were wondering what the hell went down the last few weeks. The The defense is committing too many penalties. They had a fumble recovery and an interception that were called back. Three straight defensive penalties on the Giants. Go-ahead touchdown drive late in the game. It's now been three straight games for them <clears throat> without forcing a turnover. And it feels like they're not making all these adjustments. But all five of their losses have been by eight points or less. And this is a great spot for them. A team that's kind of become really familiar with making the trip over to London, a team that overall, I still feel better about this team than I do about the Broncos this year and everything we've seen from Denver. I don't know the health of Russ. If it's Ripian, <laughs> this was the quote from football outsiders about uh, Ripian who started for quarterback uh, for the Broncos last week. He can throw accurate, deep sideline passes from a clean pocket. Unfortunately, he throw those passes whether his receiver is open or blanketed, and he doesn't do anything else particularly well. He's basically diet Drew Locke with less mobility. <laughs> that was a quote from them, wow. which I, I thought was pretty funny. Um, wow. um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Talk yeah, to us on this good, one. I think it's a good spot for the Broncos. I look at it like they're – no matter what's going to happen, if you look at the four – the the six units on the field, the special teams included, they have the best unit by far. And that's their defense. hundred percent. And defense is always going to travel. I think the offense, like you said, of the Jaguars, I think it takes a step backwards with, um, they're the number three defensive DVOA. Not having Robinson there, not having that between the tackles. Cause now think about it. They they have less of a potent running game now. And Denver is fantastic. In the secondary, Denver has the number three passing defense as mm-hmm. well as the number three overall defense. That's just where they are. And they are so good against the pass that it doesn't matter that they're kind of weak against the run. They're not fantastic against the run, but they're still overall a really good defense. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't really have a particular strong opinion, but it sounds like you're, you're leaning Broncos here. Yeah, I like the Broncos in at plus two and a half. I think the Jags D is trending down with uh, Florlando not being 100% by level point for the Broncos. And I mean, like, even if you look at it, Brandon McManus has always been lights out. If he makes that extra point in that field goal, that end of the game scenario is different because they were in field goal range. Yep. So there's a couple bad missed kicks. I think this is a by low point for the for the Broncos. And I heard that one of my buddies made an excellent point. The Jags have so many bad habits. It's good. You have to give Peterson time to correct everything 
front at once because it's not all it's not one thing and they won a couple of games and so everybody got a little bit ahead of themselves but then what ends up happening is teams started taking them a little more seriously yeah right you know staffs and now we have a little film out this year after a couple games so now they have to make the adjust they have to readjust now right we got to make the adjustments back now um yeah they're talented and they can you can you, they can't kind of came out at the beginning of the year and we're just leaning on their talent but now like you're playing against NFL coaching and schemes and stuff like you can be really talented and it doesn't matter they, they have to you know adjust back yeah and like i said like as someone that's a coach it takes time to get everything going in the right direction yep and, it's not automatic yeah and i just think this team you know as much as we all got excited they're not there yet and when Mike uh, GCG wins um, on Twitter was on my uh, stream on Tuesday, he said, he goes, I'm watching Etienne run and I feel he's just a pulled hamstring away from going down. Yeah. I. And if he goes weird. down, the wheels are really going to fall off. I like the Broncos here. They have the best defense on the field by far, the best unit. I think it's going to make it hard for Lawrence. Lawrence didn't have a whole year of coaching. I, I I just think it's a great spot for him. Let's go Cardinals, Vikings. Cardinals are three and four, four and three against the spread. Vikings five and one, two and four against the spread. Vikings coming off a bye. And Eric, I hate both of these teams. Just like as a ga- and in a gambling sense, like I just don't think much of either of these teams, in particular Minnesota. The only problem is I don't really think very much of Arizona, at least. And Arizona's coming off a game where they got back-to-back pick sixes that completely flipped the game and totally changed the complexion of that game. Now, it was nice for them to have Hopkins back because he had 10 catches for 103 yards, and the offensive line looked a lot better. They had a very high grade on pass blocking, and they allowed just a 9% pressure rate, which was their lowest figure all year. The Vikings, at some point, things are going to start to flip the other way for them because they've gotten very lucky so far early in the year, Eric. They've had 21 of their 22 starters make every start. Just from just from a health standpoint, we were talking about all the issues that all these teams and offensive lines are having. They've had one starter out so far through their first six games. They are the least penalized team in the league based on penalty yards per game. And they have the second least penalties per game. They've only been flagged for pass interference once. They've not been flagged at all for roughing the passer. Those are things that are kind of hard to sustain. Like you like that they're le- like a low penalized team, but you're going to get some penalties just by sheer dumb luck. Now they start their average drive at the 30.6 yard line. That's the third best field position in the NFL. And the opponents start their average drive at the 25. That's tied for the second best defensive starting field position. So like a nice little five plus yard difference. Weird thing is they've been terrible in the third quarter of games. They're 31st in DVOA in the third quarter. They do come into this game off a bye. I just, God, I wish I could play against both of these teams. I don't know what to do in this one, Eric. Uh, So the one thing that the Saint, like we've used this term a lot, adult in the room. And the one thing that the Saints game against the Cardinals taught me is with Hopkins there, even though he's not in the coaching staff, they have a, a leader and an adult in the room. 
And I really feel if Hopkins wasn't there now, granted he had a great game, you know, 10 receptions peppered all over the, over the place. But I really think like he's kind of the leader of the team, the adult in the room, making sure everyone stays in check. And obviously Murray trusts him because on third down, he's throwing him the ball and it doesn't matter who you are. We can see it with Aaron Rodgers, And we'll talk about him later in green Bay. When he had Devontae Adams, he could just throw him the ball on third down. It moves the chains. You bring D hop there. This adds a whole new element. I'm looking at the AFC West, you know, the Rams, they have issues. the AFC, the NFC West, the Ram, the Rams, they have issues on the offensive line. Um, you know, they don't know what's going on. The running back cam acres again, fighting in coaches. 49ers are not perfect. 49ers, a lot of injuries. Jimmy G, back fours banged up. And Seattle's due for aggression. I'm looking at Arizona right now at plus 800 to win the division, plus 350 to make the playoffs. Those are two future bets I like. I'll probably throw the division one because it's better odds. I think Arizona's live here because of just because of Hopkins' leadership. And with that being said, I absolutely love him in this spot. Like you mentioned it, I think this Vikings team is a bluff do you care to guess what cliff kingsbury is as a dog 60 percent. i'm gonna say these stats you're gonna be mind blown against the spread as a dog 21 9 and 2 that's 70 percent ats yeah i mean if you think about the two starts that they had right the back-to-back good starts to the year in a lot of those games they weren't favored even when they were winning, they were underdogs in a lot of those games. They were sort of overachieving, and then it sort of flipped, and they started getting a little bit overvalued. But And as a road dog, he's 15-3-2. That's 83%. Cousins is a favorite, 46%. As a home favorite, 43%. I actually locked this in at four. It's over that key number right now of three. I definitely like it. This Vikings defense isn't good. 24th DVOA, 21st in both passing and rushing. James Conner is supposed to be coming back. That's another weapon for this Cardinals offense. I don't know who in this Vikings secondary is going to be able to handle um, DeAndre Hopkins. That's an added weapon. Cardinals, shockingly, good against the run. Six DVOA. I think that's going to limit um, – uh, Delvin Cook, I think that's going to struggle the running game. That's going to put more pressure on Cousins to make passes. I think this is a great spot for the Cardinals. I locked it in. Anything over three, absolute buy in my eyes. And I forgot to mention the Jaguars game. Jags give up the second most receiving yards to opposing running backs. So I'm Melvin Gordon's relegated to the third down roll. So I'll be on the Melvin Gordon over receiving yards as well. Let's continue along. Let's go next to Panthers Falcons. So we've got the Falcons as a four and a half point favorite here over the Panthers over under in this game. 41 Carolina two and five, two and five ATS Atlanta three and four. They lost their first game against the spread last week. Did get blown out by the Bengals who were just incredible offensively. And that's, um, you know, you, you expected there to be a game or two for the Falcons where they just weren't going to look good because they were playing a little over their head. Oh, and last week, you know, the Bengals um, made some really good adjustments and offensively uh, I'll give it up to Zach Taylor. And we talk uh, about the Bengals a little more. I thought, I thought I liked what I saw from them. Then you have the Panthers who beat the Bucks last week. The Panthers combined to rush 24 times, 181 yards, a touchdown between the two running backs. PJ Walker was the number one graded quarterback of the week. 
with a 94 passing grade. He was higher than Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and every other quarterback. He had six big-time throws and zero turnover-worthy plays. Just the second quarterback this year to have six big-time throws in a game. That was the best passing DVO hey they've had in a game since week four of 2020 for Carolina. Talk to us about Falcons-Panthers here. Don't don't understand this at all. It opened up at six, dropped to four. Um, You know, the Falcons are fourth DVOA. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. Panthers coming off this win. Everyone's hyping him up. We really don't know. DJ Moore may not play um, because he could get traded. Panthers are 32 DVOA defending the pass. Um, You know, excuse me, in passing offense, that's the weakness of the 40 of the Falcons defense just because Hayward is hurt. Terrell's back up. I don't think Walker is going to be able to move the ball. If a, if the Patriots would have won, this is what I would have done in Survivor. I think this is a Falcon spot. And the Falcons remind me of the Eagles last year. Just a team that's figuring it out, running the ball, controlling the clock. They just need a better quarterback. You know what I mean? At least yeah, it's hard. They just can't throw the ball at all. Like they're not even they, they're taking so little attempts, which is smart by Arthur, Arthur Smith. He doesn't want to try to turn the ball over because they run so well. But again, it's like but you can only go so far doing that. He's, he's playing what what to what his strengths are. And when they play like a team that has like heavy home run hitters like the Bengals do with Mixon, Higgins, Chase, it's, it's just hard for them to keep up. To keep up. Yeah. Now, if they play a game, a team like every other team of the South, they don't have those home run hitters, so they have a chance. But anytime they play a team with like such an explosive offense offense that has that quote-unquote knockout punch it's going to be very hard for that team that's why it was with the falcons i think the falcons are going to be running all over them i hate this number though at four and a half if this keeps on dripping down though i'm going to definitely be on the falcons i don't understand this movement at all let's go to i agree with you i lean falcons it's just not the number that i would like but um yeah so i i'm steering clear at four and a half Bears Cowboys so we have the Bears that come off that huge win against the Patriots and they uh, they really looked good and they were putting Justin Fields in spots to succeed with the way they were designing his runs I thought that was uh, a major positive um this is kind of a stay away for me at the number here at nine and a half and the over of 42 and a half we might see another game or two where the Cowboys and Dak need to sort of figure things out he made his return he was 19 for 25 207 yards and a touchdown 8.3 yards per attempt, but the Cowboys defense just continued to play well. They created five turnovers, including three fumbles that they gained. It was the most takeaways in a game for them since week one of 2013. They created turnovers on four straight drives to close out the game. Um, they also had five sacks and they lead the NFL with uh, in sacks this year. Diggs has 17 interceptions in his career tied for the most in the NFL since 2020. And you know, the, the Cowboys will be a good football team. I think continue to get better. I, I'll stay clear of this one because the Bears come off of that big win. They might be riding a little bit high and and feeling themselves. But I think they did figure some things out on the offensive side. I really like that they were getting Fields outside of the pocket a little bit, and there were a lot more design runs for him. I just I don't have a strong opinion. Bears Cowboys here. So what does it say to you as a team? that you just go on Monday night football, upset the Patriots, and the very next day, Robert Quinn, your best defensive lineman, is traded. What does that say to you as a team? That you're 
franchise and your organization. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just a bad look. I thought they did a great job in terms of putting fields in an, in a, in a position to succeed and everything, figuring out the offense. Um, But this is a young bears team. What do you think that team did after they won that Monday night game? Did they like, start studying or do they go out and party? They obviously went out and party. You know what uh, I mean? They think, I think they were pretty high off of that game. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, this isn't like, they don't have like a veteran, like, I don't even, um, I don't, you know what I mean? They don't have a veteran type quarterback there. That's going to keep the team in check. They probably went out. You know what I mean? They study. This is a complete letdown spot. If I were to bet it, it'd be the Cowboys. Cause I don't think that this offensive line is going to be able to contain that pass rush. Um, and for how much better the offense looked, Fields was still holding on to the ball too yeah. long. They really don't have the playmakers. They do have a good one-two punch with Herbert and Montgomery running the ball. That is the one weakness. But, you know, the Cowboys, you know, Zeke didn't practice. That That's one thing to monitor. But you still got Tony Pollard back there. You got C.D. Lamb. I just don't think this Bears team has enough firepower to keep up with this Cowboys team. So I'd lean the Cowboys here. Let's move to Raiders and the Saints. We have Saints at home as a slight underdog here. Raiders as a one and a half point favorite on the road over under in this game, 49 and a half. And you have the Raiders who are two and four, three and three against the spread and the Saints two and five, two and five uh, against the spread. Dalton threw two pick sixes in the last two minutes of the half. Uh, He had three picks overall in the first half. And it just... Like it just flipped the game completely in a game that they were playing pretty well early. Two minutes left to go in the half. Callaway drops a ball that ends up bouncing off of his hands into the Cardinals' hands for the D, uh, Cardinals' DB. If he just catches that ball, it's either 17 14 or 21 14 Saints at the end of the half. Instead, Arizona's up 20 to 14, and then Dalton throws another interception. Now all of a sudden it's 28 14. Yeah, wheels. It, it, it was insane how quickly it went. And he threw an interception in the red zone too. Preseason projections had them as the number one projected defense by DVOA. They're number twenty-two right now. Some of it they're not playing well. Some injury issues in the secondary. They were down three healthy corner. They only had three healthy cornerbacks um, in their last game. I do think Kamara is starting to look a little bit better. He had four missed tackles on the ground. He caught seven of eight targets. He looks a little healthier. And he he was open in a couple other spots where they didn't hit him. I think he could be a big game for him here. The Raiders, it's been all about Josh Jacobs. He had 20 carries for 143 yards, 7.2 yards per rush, three touchdowns, seven explosive runs, 11 first downs, three touchdowns, two. It's a second multi-touchdown game in three weeks. And 35% of his carries went for 10 yards or more. He has a, a 51% success rate, which is the highest for any running back this year. It's his third straight game with over 140 yards. He never had one game over 140 yards before this stretch. And the run game really helped set up the play action for them. Carr was 7 of 8 for 190 on play action passes. Talk to us about Raiders Saints. Love the Saints here. I mean, I really don't think yeah, I'm on the Saints here. Me too. I, I don't think much of the Raiders. Every Anything and to, to be laying this. You look at that game against the Texans that scored. This is one of those things people, oh, they get they, they destroyed the Texans. Texans were down by four. Um, they elected to go for it on fourth and one, 
false start, backed up and putt. Raiders drove down fourth and one. It was obvious they're trying to drop off sides. Guy from the Texans jumped. Boom. Jacob scores a touchdown. Touchdown, 11-point game. Then a pick six. You know what I mean? So this that 18-point win really doesn't, you know what I mean, is a little deceptive. And just looking at it, Carr is 5-11-1. ATS is a road favorite. As a road favorite on the East Coast in games starting early, 30% ATS. Raiders defensively are a must. They're 30th DVOA. So I think the Saints will be able to take advantage of that. Also, they more importantly, you touched on Kamara. They are 20th DVOA defending the run. 23rd DVOA defending the running back in the receiving game. So I feel this is a great matchup for Kamara. I locked this in at two. It's dipped down to, what is it now, one and a half. I still like it here. Um, I really, I, I'm banking that Lattimore is going to be back. Um, he is a key to their whole defense with the, what they want to do. If he comes back, that's definitely going to help. You know, they do win the Saints game if he's there because Chase isn't going to get open and he would make that tackle. Uh, him being there will completely shut down Adams. I, If I had to bet on it, I think he plays, even though he didn't practice today. I think the Saints are going to be able to move the ball on this Raiders defense. And what what have the Raiders done to warrant laying one point on the, on the road? I have I'm no idea. Here. You know, give me, give me the Saints. And, uh, yeah. We're on the, uh, the Saints here, no doubt about that one. Let's move to Dolphins and Lions. Your Lions, man, they had an incredible offense, and now – it's been back-to-back weeks where they don't score a touchdown. It's a combination of injuries, and it's not playing quite as well, maybe losing a little bit of confidence. But it's uh, unfortunate to see now Goff was miserable. They had no, they lacked explosive plays. He had 10 dropbacks under pressure. He was one for four with an interception, and he had five sacks in one scramble. 80% of his pass attempts were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And he had averaged 66% in his first five games. Now on the Dolphins side, Tua kind of looked like a rusty QB. He was fortunate to have four what should have been interceptions dropped by the Steelers. That's the most interceptions dropped by any defense in a single game so far this year. They looked good to start their first 15 plays, nine yards per play. Then after that, they averaged 5.2 yards per play and four turnover-worthy plays from Tua. The defense did make some plays late. They had a couple takeaways and three interceptions total. What do you think about your Lions here? Plus three and a half at home. I kind of feel like to take them. Um, I'm I think hearing, you do too. Yeah. I'm hearing if they lose this game, Campbell's out. And, um, you know, I don't know. Like everyone's saying they like him, but then the former offensive lineman tweeted out during the game. Um, and I'm spacing on his name. Wow. Shocking. A coach that all he talks about is how much caffeine he drinks team isn't prepared off of a bye with the best offensive line in the game. So that was a little eye-opening that that tweet was sent out by, by a guy who got caught. I'm spacing on the guy's name. Um, I feel that the Dolphins defense is a little overrated. 20th DVO, uh, you know, 20, 20 total DVOA. Lions are getting St. Brown back. That's going to help. Swift is, is supposed to be back. That's going to help the running game. Goff is eight and two ATS is a home guard at while playing for the lions. Finns are coming off that. That is the weirdest game I've ever seen in my life. They scored 17 points and scored three points. The rest of the game. That was just such a weird game. 
You mentioned Tua not looking great. Um, yeah, I just – I don't know. Like, this Dolphins team, like, stuff just isn't clicking as well as we all thought it would. They are banged up on the defensive side and on the offensive line. Um, I'm a little bit worried if the secondary is going to be able to keep up with Hill. But the one thing that the Lions did last game is they moved Hutchinson around. Uh, before the bye, he was just playing one side and just rushed from that side. What they started to do is lining him up the opposite side, the tight end design. That way it was just in one-on-one coverage or it forced the guard to double. Uh, so I like that. And it was good because he got some pressures. He got two sacks. So I, I like the Lions here. I, it's just a letdown spot for the Bucks. I like the three. I will bet the three and a half. We continue along. Up next, we're going to Pat's Jets. How about this one? Uh, Patriots are a two and a half point favorite on the road against the Jets in here. And the Jets come into this game five and two. Five and two against the spread. New England three and four, three, three and one against the spread. Now it does sound like Mac Jones will be starting after that New England. Thing was just weird to me. And like that was so weird. When Schefter tweeted that out, I was like, God damn it, I'm gonna be eliminated from Survivor. That's that's literally what I said to myself as soon as I read that. Um the Patriots have some issues, but I think the biggest issue is the when the offense has looked best, it's been a heavy rushing running back centric offense with Damian Harris and Stevenson with Harris being out. And initially that injury was four to six weeks. And now he was back out there limited. You could definitely tell his heart only eight yards. Um, too much stuff is on Stevenson and he's not a type of guy that can carry that offense. I was really hoping I get the Patriots here at plus money, but since they're laying money, this is completely like, you know, like kind of back me away from it. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like with James Robinson coming in, how many, um, how many touches he's going to get right away. He's going to get. So I do have a very dart throwish millionaire maker play on, on, on Robinson with him in there. Nope. On Ty Johnson. Okay. People forget Ty Johnson, Ty Johnson. When he's got run, he can play. Michael Carter has shown he's not an every down back Patriots do struggle defending in the run. Their DVOA did improve after they shut down Chubb. But I think people are going to look to James Robinson. We don't know how much he's going to be able to pick up the zone concept that the floor likes to run. So I think Ty Johnson is a sneaky under the radar play in DFS. And if he like if he scores one touchdown, you've got your ROI. You've got your break even point on him. Yep. And it'll open up so you can stack like a um I'm trying to like a Derrick Henry and then like a um, Tyreek Hill or CD lamb together. So I, I, I think that's worth a dart throw. This one's going to kind of interesting because the, the Patriots have just crushed the jets. They've beat them 12 straight times last year, 79 to 19. Um, but the, the jets are really riding high right now. They held Denver without multiple touchdowns. Again, they were playing Rippy and it was the second week in a row though, that their opponent didn't score multiple touchdowns offensively. Last week, just 12, but Wilson's been bad. Just 12.5% of his completions went for 10 yards or more. He Two of, out of 16. He's currently ranked 33rd in EPA per dropback this year. His PFF grade when kept clean, 89.6. When under pressure, 23. His splits versus like pressure versus clean is some of the crazier ones that you'll see. 
It's the first team since 2011 Tim Tebow led Broncos to win consecutive games with 105 or less net passing yards. But they are number 11 overall in DVOA. They do have some uh, injuries, though, on the offensive line that they're dealing with. And I I mean, I don't know what to think of the Patriots right now. Like you said, the quarterback stuff was really weird. This kind of feels like a stay away at this number here. If for any reason this got to three, I would jump in on the Jets, though. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm I can't do anything. I, I don't want to do anything at all. I like the Jets, like you just play it out in your head, you know. McManus missing those usually makes it backup quarterback, you know. Uh the whole Sanders missing a field goal thing. Um, you know, Trubisky getting batch picket coming in, Packers game where they couldn't stop the run. I want nothing. I want a situation where this team is laying points so I can fade them. Until then, I'm not doing anything. Um, I just got a text message from my buddy, and it has to do with one of your teams. What's that? He just texted me. Maybe Westbrook wasn't the problem. See, I love, I love that conversation though, because how can you say that when the guy's making forty-four million dollars? Oh. So- I- like if you don't have Westbrook on that team, you would have four other players out there that are all like eleven million dollar players or two twenty million dollar players instead of Westbrook. So even if he's not physically playing in the problem, he absolutely is because you just can't build your team around them. That that's that's my counter to that because mm-hmm. that's like an easy everyone to look and say, oh, Westbrook's not playing. Well, yeah, but that's forty four million dollars. Nah, that's that, yeah, I get that, it. I mean, like. Him and I were just talking about. Oh, I, oh, I know, you know, and and because because then because then think about it, just just play it out in our head. Right now, the Lakers have like a fine number one and a fine number two, but then the rest of their roster are guys that are probably supposed to be your fifth or sixth best player and on. If they were able to make the trade for to either Charlotte or Indiana, and they go get Rozier and Hayward, or they go get Miles Turner and Buddy Hield. Well, now all of a sudden there are your third and fourth best players. And then everybody kind of falls into line right now. They have kind of two guys that are pretty good. And then everybody else that is trying they're uh, coming into tonight. They actually had the best, uh, the, the second best defensive rating in three games, but it's been a bummer for the Lakers as they're playing right now. And we're, uh, we're recording on, uh, on Wednesday night. Was that Dan talking trash to me? Who, who is, who has given me issue about the Lakers that sent you a message? Well, um, it's my buddy that you know that used to play in the NBA whose name I can't say. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, I mean that that's cause I know that like, it's really weird. Cause like players don't want to former NBA players don't want to go blast Westbrook right now. And I just yeah. don't understand why, because it was more if, like he, how can, how can I say this? He used to play with LeBron and him and LeBron didn't have the best relationship. Okay. So, so he's, it's trying to point out that. Yeah. And yeah. I can see that. It's you just, know what I mean? Like him and so that, that it, it had nothing. It was just him just talking. Shit. No. And, and it's, yeah. you know, you'll, cause you'll hear like Reggie and Barkley and those guys who are like, man, it's not Westbrook's fault. It's like the guy doesn't play defense. The guy doesn't make any sacrifices. Of course it, of course it's his fault. It's just, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a weird thing about like not wanting to throw like a former star under the bus or something, but uh, yeah, unfortunate for, uh, for the Lakers. I, hopefully this will sort of light a fire under them to just make the trade as soon as possible because someone's going to take the guy and just 
buy him out. Yeah, I hope they don't trade for Rozier because I think he'd really look good in a Bucks uniform. I I like Rozier a lot. Like I would love if they if they could could pull that one off. But we'll uh, we'll talk some some NBA in uh, in the coming weeks. Eric, we'll we'll do an NBA segment here or there coming soon. Let's talk Steelers Eagles as we have uh, what the Eagles minus ten and a half in here. Steelers plus ten and a half. Eagles coming off a bye. Last time they started 6 and 0 was in 2004 when they reached the Super Bowl. Their defensive coverage unit has forced seven incompletions and three interceptions. They're really good. Veteran tackle Lane Johnson left the game at halftime last time we saw them play and that was when you can tell the the game changed for them. They had to punt on three of their first four second half possessions and Dallas got right back in the game, but then when they needed to They went on a big scoring drive, 13 plays, 75 yards, ended up going seven minutes and 37 seconds. And they went up by two scores and they put away the Cowboys. Then they have really crazy 112 points scored in the second quarter. The most by any team in any quarter in the first six games of a season in NFL history. They've through the first six games, they had scored more points in the second quarter than the Packers Cowboys or Rams had scored this year. (laughs) Hurts. Is ninth in completion percentage. He is uh, he was 26 last year, third in yards per attempt. He's only committed two turnovers on 221 dropbacks and 77 rushes. It's incredible for uh, for him. And the Steelers come off a game where they dropped four interceptions last week. The offensive line is bad. Matt Canada is a terrible offensive coordinator. There's no creativity in anything they do. Harris has not topped 100 yards from scrimmage, 100 scrimmage yards one time this year. It was the fourth time that they've scored 20 or fewer points in a game, in and they're 0 and 4 in those games so far. Um, I benched him. Like I have Najee Harris in one of my leagues, and legitimately, I benched him. Like I, it's hard not to. You know, I was able to get Walker late, and I'm rolling out Stevenson, Walker, and Jacobs. So. You know, I, I'm benching him, and as soon as Bacheco becomes more of a factor, I have Bacheco too. So Harris is going to be the odd man. Oh, um, you know, I know all the Tomlin stats. I, I'm the ultimate Mike Tomlin guy, but I just don't know how you can take this number. You know what I mean? It's such a high number with the Eagles. I don't want to take it with the Steelers. Um, Harris has struggled. I don't know how they're going to stop the run game. There's no why was the Finns only scoring three points after the second quarter. Was that Miami issues or is that the Steelers defense? I think it was a combination of both. Um, offensively, like you said, like Matt Canada, it's just not clicking. They need to move on. They need to get somebody else in there. Their offensive line is a mess. Um, wide receiver wise. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I know. Pick the one who's targeted the most. But I don't. I don't think Pickett is their best wide receiver. It's just a cluster game. But I. But I will look at this. Do they? Do we see a first half line? Let's see. Let me pull. I'll look. I'm, I'll, I'll look one up right now. Uh. Yeah. Is it under a touchdown? six? Six and a half. There is one team in the NFL that is six and zero ATS in the first half. Can you guess that team? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I would lean anything under a touchdown for the first half. Eagles coming in fresh off a of bye. Steelers coming from Miami. Sunday night football, short week. 
playing in Philadelphia, which is going to be a street fight. You know what I mean? Philly is just a different town when it comes to sports. So I would lean first half, anything under seven. That'd be my bet in this game. Let's get back to the uh, rest of the games. We were Titans and Texans, and we have the Titans as a two-point small favorite here on the road over under in this game, 40 and a half. Titans didn't score an offensive touchdown, but still won by multiple scores. The defense forced three turnovers, and the Titans scored 10 points off Colts turnovers. Henry had 30 carries for 128 yards. He generated three 10-plus yard runs and a 28-yard run to ice the W. He leads the NFL with 18 games with 100-plus rushing yards since 2020. Titans are 15-3 and in those games. This is third straight game now with 100-plus rushing yards, tied for the longest streak of the year. And he gained 126 yards on 29 carries versus seven-plus defenders in the box. That's just incredible. Against the Texans, this was a stat I saw on the Pick 6 podcast, he has 10 games career against the Texans, 1,035 yards in his 10 games. 170 carries, 6.1 yards per carry, nine touchdowns. He's averaging 103.5 yards per game, which is just nuts. And uh, Tannehill is 6-1 and one against the Colts as a uh, Titan starter. He beat the Colts last week. On the Texan side, their offensive line didn't look great. They allowed 16 total pressures on the front line in 42 pass-blocking snaps. Pierce had seven first downs. And 61 yards after contact. Talk to us about Titans, Texans. Well, I mean, this line was at four. And then everything came out about um, Tannehill in the walking boot. So there's a huge line adjustment. It actually dropped all the way down to one. Now at some shops, it's up to two. Uh, Tannehill was listed as missed practice. They didn't give him an injury assignment. Because you can do limited, partial participant, or or like DNP. He just put mispractice. So that's really not that telling. I think Tannehill plays. So my strategy is this. So you got to look at it two ways. If Tannehill plays, what's going to happen in the line? It's obviously going to go up. So if you like the Titans, I think now's a spot to buy. If you like the Texans, you have to hold it. Um, I say every week there is teams – there's coaches I like to fade as a favorite, take as a dog. That's my boy Vrabel. He is 44% ATS as a road favorite. You're looking at the Texans the last two and a half years as a divisional dog. They are 67% ATS. The Tennessee Titans are the most efficient red scoring team. They are due for a regression. I'm waiting because I like Tannehill here. To play. With that being said, I think the number rises up. Home divisional dog, field goal higher. Absolutely love it. I know the Texans can't stum- stop the run. I know Henry's production, but if Tannehill's out there, not 100%, Texans are good defending the pass. Pierce looks like he's the steal of the draft. He's going to be the rookie of the year. Um, I, I absolutely love the Texans here. I'm going to wait, though, until I can get the three. I'll probably sprinkle a little bit on the money line. And I have a, cra- I have a crazy thought for you. Are you ready for this thought? You know how um, you know how everyone says, what would have happened if Drew Brees 
went to the Dolphins when Saban was the coach there instead of Dante Culpepper. Yeah. What if the Lions, instead of hiring Matt Patricia, hired Vrabel instead? Just think of everything that would happen. Yeah. All the dominoes. Well, no, Lions had a lot more talent. You have to figure Vrabel with Stafford there would have got them into the playoffs. Okay. With the amount of talent they had Stafford doesn't go to the Rams. Rams don't get the super bowl. Matt Ryan's not traded because the Falcons. What Wilson's not traded to the Broncos. Cause it is such a copycat league. There'd be like a million dominoes fall. If the lions would have made a right coaching decision. Let's continue to the giants and the Seahawks. We have two teams that have really had great starts to the year. For the Seahawks, Geno is the most accurate quarterback in football. 73.5 completion percentage. Last time he was a starter, he had a 57.5 completion percentage. The uh, Last week, he was 7 of 11 for 118 yards, two touchdowns on passes thrown, 10 or more yards downfield. He had three more big-time throws. Third-highest rated quarterback in football, and they are alone in first place in the NFC West. Walker was awesome last week. 23 carries, 168 yards, two touchdowns, a 75-yard uh, run to give Seattle a 21-point lead. He had five runs for 10 yards or more. Um, and the offensive line allowed just two sacks and four hurries across 30 snaps. They're the only team that ranks top five in EPA for dropback and EPA per run, which is pretty crazy. And the defense seems to be making some strides for them. They're up to 19th in overall defensive DVOA. They don't rank below 19th in either pass or rush defensive DVOA. They forced a turnover on downs. Uh, they forced a turnover last week on the opening drive, then an interception, had a fumble recovery. And then when the Chargers came all the way back and pulled within three, they held strong in the second half. They gave up four. Uh, they gave up. Three first downs on the Chargers' first four drives in the second half. They held the Chargers to two rushes of 10-plus yards, and they sacked the quarterback three times. How about the cool stuff for the Giants, who are 6-1 and one, and 6-1 and one against the spread in here? All seven of their games this year have been separated by one score. This is the first time in NFL history a team has started 6-1 and one or better, with each of their first seven games being decided by one possession. There have been eight teams in NFL history that have trailed in all seven of their first games to start a year. Only one of them ever has a winning record, the Giants. The other seven teams are a combined 18-30-1. But you know what? The last few weeks, it's been a little bit different. The first couple victories, they were getting a little bit lucky. In their last four wins, only four teams have averaged a higher offensive DVOA than the Giants. Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati, and the Raiders. The Giants, again, like, they're just scheming smartly. Jones was really good running the ball. He had 107 yards, 9.7 yards per rush. He ranked fourth overall in PFF, only behind Hall, Chubb, and Jacobs as the highest-graded rushers of the week. Five designed runs. For 42 yards, four first downs, and a touchdown. They're leaning into his running more because teams don't really defend him like a running quarterback, and there's there's more space out there for him. He is now 11th in EPA per dropback on the season, and it's because of a lot of the scrambles. In scrambles, he's third highest. 
He's averaging almost 50 yards rushing per game. He only has four turnovers so far this year in seven games, five game-winning drives, and he's doing it without any wide receivers, and he's doing it without a couple offensive linemen last week. Um, Barkley rushed for 110 yards, so they had two different rushers for over 100 yards uh, against what was a top-five graded run defense coming into the game. Got to be the most improved offensive line in the league. Thomas and Taylor did not allow a single pressure on 36 pass blocking snaps and on 44 pass blocking snaps. Thomas has been a top five graded tackle this year. And they rank fifth in explosive play run uh, on the run plays this year, but they're second to last in explosive play pass rate in front of only the Steelers. I like Wandale Robinson with the 27.5% target per route run mark tops on the giants top 10 for all with receivers with at least 50 routes run this year, five and oh straight up in games that they were an underdog. That's just the third team in the super bowl era to be, to go five and oh straight up when they were an underdog in their first seven games, two teams that have had really nice starts to the year, Eric. Yeah. Um, a huge battle in terms of potential playoffs. We would have thought, that uh real quick props to Brian Gary but you know we're talking about Doug Peterson coming in you know it's taking him time to change a losing culture uh you know there's this one website that does luck metric um now obviously there's luck but I really believe like certain teams are put in a position to get good luck and I really think that's what Dable's done uh the mistakes are totally agree like I was just saying with the way that they've called their plays, right? Yeah. They're they're just they're making adjustments and they're playing smart to put their players in a position to succeed and take advantage of that. The definition of luck is when what like a preparation meets opportunity, and that's sort of what we're getting from the Giants. Other teams, like luck to me, isn't as much Giants as like what we would see from the Dolphins sometimes with like the defensive scores and stuff like that, right? Ball bounces your way when the offense turns it over. You don't really do anything and it gets to you. These guys are overachieving and it's it's no coincidence that it's a coach like Dable, coach like Smith, coach like Lovey Smith, Arthur Smith. Those guys all put their teams in good spots to succeed. Yeah, they don't. They, they t- instead of looking at what they want to do, they look at what's best for their team and do it like that. Um, I really want to fade this Giants team here, but I want to fade. They're kind of like the Jets. I want to fade them when they're laying points. I yeah, not in this situation. Um, we don't know how the Seahawks offense is going to look. It doesn't look like DK Metcalf is going to play. How's that going to affect the passing game? Um, you know, Giants are 30th DVOA defending the run, 29th in total total defense. Uh it's not out yet. It's going to be out tomorrow morning. Some of these books put out a prop, like who's going to have the most rushing yards. Uh, I think Kenneth Walker could be worth a flyer. I think a lot of people are going to look at Jacobs because such a, what a big week he had, or people are going to look at Jonathan Taylor or, um, oh my God. Oh my God. Derek Henry. I think Walker is going to be a little bit forgotten. I think putting a flyer on him, that'd be my only bet here. I think Walker is a must in DFS. But both these teams are at their all-time high. If Seattle would have lost to the Chargers, I would love this spot. But where this is right now, I want absolutely nothing to do with it. I don't know what to do with our next game, Rams 49ers, because historically the 49ers with uh, with these coaching staffs have have really owned the Rams in the regular season. Um, 
the 49ers have some injuries. Jimmy D didn't play all that well. They dropped down to 10th overall in DVOA after Kansas City had their way with them. But the Rams have tons of issues themselves. Now, they are coming off a bye. So if ever they were able to maybe get a cup, get, kind of figure the offensive line out as best as they can right now, I think Jefferson should be coming back for them soon. And perhaps they could have kind of figured out the running back room a little bit. So they have some issues, but maybe they got them figured out after the bye. I'm, I'm staying away from this game, Eric. I just don't know what to do in here. I mean, Caffrey played 21 plays last week, 10 touches, 62 yards. Um, the 49ers have been outscored in every third quarter this season. That was kind of a weird one. The Rams, they're just not like, they don't rank great in a lot of the advanced metrics, but I haven't been impressed with a lot of teams. So I don't think the Rams are a Super Bowl contender, but I'm not really like willing to write them off as a team that can't make the playoffs. I, I don't know what to do in this spot, Eric. Talk to us about this one. 43 is the over-under, and the 49ers a slight favorite on the road. Yeah. Um, this is a head-scratching game. You just kind of look at it, McVeigh and Shanahan, you know, three and eight, um, you know, straight up. McVeigh as a dog, 53%. But when he's a dog at home, he's an, he's only one in four. Debo's hurt. Debo didn't practice, which is big. 49ers, offensive line, defensive line issues. Armstead, he was at least there. He hasn't been at the practice facility. He was at least at practice today. So I guess that's a good thing, moving in the right direction. Um, you know, Brian Allen, the center for the Rams, <sighs> I kind of feel like he is like the big thing now with what's going on with your offensive line. I think once he gets healthy, you brought in the um, offensive coordinator from the Kentucky to your coaching staff. I think the running game is going to change. I think you guys are going to look to go more inside zone compared to outside zone. Um, use a little bit more Malcolm, um, Malcolm Brown get him going a little bit more. You got that rookie Williams who should be coming back. I think the Rams are kind of in a good spot right now because they're just insanely under the radar. Yeah, and even even the last time we saw them play, they got creative. They had six different players with a rush. Yeah. Right? They're just going to start to do things a little bit differently. I, it's It's more of like watching the rest of the league and not being terrified by more than like three teams. And the reality of the situation, as long as Aaron Donald is physically there playing. You always have a shot in a game. You always have a shot. Um, And if you have Cup out there, right, like who can make a play and make and like break a big play at any moment, you know, they have they they have some of the pieces. Now, this is like this is McVay time, right? Like you have to earn your money now, McVay. Like, let's see what you've done. You said they brought in another coach to help. I just. I'm going to stay away from this one. Yeah. Like I, I want to take the Rams here just because the off, offensive line issues. And I kind of feel them coming off a of bye. you know, use check. Who's a huge part of the game is hurt. I kind of feel like with the 49ers ain't like adding CMC, this team is going to be getting like two more points of value than they absolutely should be. And because of that, I kind of feel like the Rams are the side here. I feel this line's off. I'm going to wait, though. I'll probably be on the Rams come Sunday, though. 
Eric, we hit two commanders and the Colts. So we have the uh, Colts is a three point favorite here. Commanders um, three point dog total in this game is a 39 and a half. Yep. 39 and a half. Washington three and four straight up and against the spread. Indy three, three and one straight up three and four against the spread. Heineke was the lowest graded passer of the week by pro football focus. It was not close. He had five turnover worthy plays and two big time throws, but he made some plays when he needed to help his team win. He's and seven and two. He He's seven and two in his last nine ATS yep. four straight covers in games that he started. Offensive line was miserable. It was their worst single game pressure rate allowed in the last four years. And then the Colts now are making the change of quarterback. It's going to be Sam Ellinger. Ryan had a, a bad week last week. He was pressured on 16 of 48 dropbacks, two interceptions, three sacks. In his seven games, they finished with a positive offensive passing DVOA uh, twice. And their offensive DVOA currently ranks last in the league. Their offensive passing is their worst through seven weeks since 2017. And I I will say, I don't know what to expect from Ellinger. And it's funny that he's a three-point favorite here. In, in really any situation, I don't mind Heineke. I really don't. I, I don't know if I can trust him going on the road here in this spot. Talk to us about Commanders Colts. So I'm disappointed because player props aren't out yet. Um, I said it at the beginning of the year when we were talking, and my question was what Wright wants to do with this offense, Ryan can't do. He can't run the RPOs. RPOs are a very big part of what Frank Wright wants to do. With that being said, that's what Ellinger can do. So I really feel like his rushing prop, it's going to be live. Um, You know, he had like five, like he had one big rush in the last preseason game for 45 yards. If you take that out, you know, five rushes for 26, but those all in limited time in preseason, he was looking to run more. I think his rushing prop is going to be under 10 yards. I'm going to absolutely love that Ellinger rushing prop. Um, But you really don't know what you're going to get here. You know, this is such a hard game to cap because you don't know how the command, how he's going to react to actually against the defense with NFL quality starters. You know, Washington is good against the run. You know, is Taylor going to be able to get going with the stack box? How is this going to, and who's going to be the number one now? Because you have a new quarterback coming in. Is he going to look to Pierce now? Is he going to look to Pittman? Is he going to look to Mo Alley Cox? There's just a lot of questions on the Colts. And my crazy thought is, could the Colts be tanking? You know what I mean? Because yeah, I mean, this is a good quarterback class. There's five, four, what's five. Crazy is like they're three and three. They're three, three and a one in a wide open division. I know, but if you look at it, like okay, let's no, say that, no, you're right. But you know, I agree with you. You're right. This, I mean, Matt Ryan wasn't yeah, great, but I don't. With how much talent they have, they just need a quarterback. So if they get it down and they could get like Will Levis, who's like, you know, compared to Josh Allen, or they can get um, the guy from Bryce Young or the kid from Ohio State, you need that quarterback on that rookie deal. And with how much talent this team has, this team has been underachieving. So are they tanking or is this just right saying, hey, you know what? I need to save my job. Maybe this will give my team a shot in the arm. I don't know. It's just, it, it was just a real weird thing to do to name him the starter for the rest of the season. I know Ryan's hurt, 
but why not just name him the starter to name him for the rest of the season? I know because what move. you're th- like, I said, you're, it's not like they're zero and six right now either. Like they're, they're very much in the mix for a playoff spot as we continue along to the Packers and the bills. I mean, this would have been a fantastic game if, if you looked at the, uh, the preseason schedule, but you have a Packers team who has just been awful. They lost three straight games to teams that were a combined 15 and 36 last year. 71% of their pass attempts came within 2.5 seconds of the snap. 83% of them came within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. They've been outscored this year overall. They had under 100 passing yards well into the fourth quarter. Aaron Rodgers had 47 passing yards on 15 attempts in the first half. Their linebacker, Campbell, he had more yards on his pick six return than all of the Packers wide receivers combined in the first half. (laughs) Their first third down conversion came with under six minutes left to go in the game, and it was because of a Washington penalty. I mean... They let the backup quarterback take control of a game after leading by 11 again. They're 2-5 and five against the spread. And now they're playing a Buffalo team that's 5-1. and one, And Buffalo is coming off a bye. And before the bye, Josh Allen had an incredible game against the Chiefs. I mean, this number is all the way up to 11.5 now. Green Bay will never be less valued than they are at this moment right now. Can you get in on Green Bay? No. I, can, I can't I can. either. Lazard's walking around with a sling. You know, that's the one guy that he's trusted. Um, this is absolutely absurd to me, okay? Josh Allen is 59% against the spread as a favorite, okay? Spread sitting right now at 11 and a half. He is an insane 86% ATS when the spread is over 10 and he's the favorite. That is absolutely insane. Uh, six, one, and two. Packers D, you know, struggling. Those rookies that they brought in, they haven't been able to figure it out. As much blame as Rodgers is getting, there has to be some blame on the defense. And like, you know, you've mentioned it before, the quality of players they're drafting, because these kids that they are drafting just aren't, you know what I mean? They aren't producing on the field. And if you can't build in the draft, you're not going to succeed in the in the league, as my Lions have proved year after year after year. Um you know, Bills, four DVOA in total defense, four in passing defense, one in rushing defense per football outsiders. How are they going to hurt them? You know what I mean? Like, like what's the pa- Packers' path to winning here? I and they like, play, like, so slowly, too. It's such a slow clip. Like, I just – this is I, a really bad matchup for them. I'll say this. Like, Devin Singletary, Russian props, only thing I'm interested in because the Packers can't stop the run. Yeah, this is – this is a weird spot for uh, a Packers team to be a double-digit point dog with Aaron Rodgers playing. Let's get to Monday Night Football. Bengals, Browns. Bengals are a slight favorite here on the road. It's up to three and a half now, over under 47. The Browns, and again, the coaching staff tried to force the pass last week. Uh, they got a stop early in the second half. It was a three-point game, and they called three straight passes. And it ended up leading to a strip sack, turnover, and a Ravens touchdown. Like, you put your offense in a spot to fail. Like we're saying is the opposite of some of these teams that have had good starts to the year. They had an offensive pass interference penalty and a false start that cost them a chance to win or at least tie the game on their last drive because they had to kick a field goal five yards farther. 
Chubb leads the NFL, 740 rushing yards, eight touchdowns this year. Just the fifth player in NFL history with eight or more rushing touchdowns in each of their first five NFL seasons. Other four, LaDainian Tomlinson, Jim Brown, Emmett Smith, and Adrian Peterson. Pretty good list. Pretty good. Not list. a bad list. Uh, Bengals are four and three, five and two ATS. Browns two and five, three and four ATS. And Burrow, dude, they had a freaking awesome, awesome game last week. Burrow had the best quick throw game of any quarterback in the 112 games so far this season. On passes thrown in less than 2.5 seconds, he was 21 of 25, 254 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. 84% on quick throws. And he had, uh, he overall finished with 481 yards. 34 of 42, no interceptions. He also had a touchdown sneak. He had scoring passes of 60, 32, and 41 all in the first half. Three big-time throws, no turnover-worthy plays. His 481 yards passing are the most by any player since he threw for 525 against the Ravens last year. He actually has three of the last four single-game highs in, in passing since 2021. He had over 500 yards offensively and four total touchdowns, which is the second time in his career he's reached those marks. No other player in NFL history has ever done that multiple times. He's already done it twice. The offensive line was much better. They gave up pressure on only seven of 45 dropbacks. No offensive lineman gave up more than two. He's 4-0 against the Browns is Burrow. And the key for them, shotgun, Eric. They've completely changed. They were in shotgun 89% of the time in the first three quarters. Really nice design plays to take advantage of the two high safety looks. They had three receivers with five receptions and over 90 yards. And they jumped all the way up to sixth overall in DVOA. Their defense is actually ranked better than their offense. They have the sixth ranked defensive DVOA which you wouldn't have expected. And the 13th ranked offensive DVOA Bengals Browns. Talk to us about Monday night football. Skafanski three 11 and 21 against the spread against the Bengals Ravens and Steelers, which is mind boggling to me. Um, Chubb phenomenal season. Um, but you know how I do it. I like divisional dogs. I like divisional home dogs. I like selling teams that they're an all-time high. This Bengals team took advantage of a Falcons team that didn't doesn't have the weapons offensively that the Browns have. And also, Browns defense, I feel, is trending in the right direction. I feel their DVOA stats because of how much time Garrett, Walker, the guys in the back four, and Javania Colony have missed. I feel they're a little out of whack. You know what I mean? I feel they're a little misleading. Um Bengals took advantage of Terrell not playing and um, oh, he started the game. He went out when he got hurt and Casey Hayward being hurt, not playing. And also Jamar Chase. Did you see that play when he went deep? He came up limp. I don't know if he practiced today. I'm Googling it right now, but um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel that this is a spot where we need to take the Browns. I got him at four, anything over three is an absolute, uh, absolute buy for me. Uh, you know, Trey, uh, Trey Hendrickson, he left Sunday's game or Logan Wilson did. There's no DJ Wheeler. 
who's not expected to come back from the from the injured reserve. He's their best run stopper. That's good for Nick Chubb. I don't know. I think this is the spot for the Browns. I kind of feel the Browns, um, you know, the Browns um, season's on the line here because they need to win this in order to keep any playoff hopes alive. I'll take the Browns here. Um, yeah, I'll take the Browns plus the four, plus the three. Eric, another busy, busy week coming up for you and me. Oh, let's let's come let's come together with our five, uh, with our five plays. So I'm okay with the Browns in that spot. Also, plus the three and a half. We've got Lions plus the three and a half, mm-hmm. and Saints plus one and a half. What else can we come to agreement? Washington? Were you on the Washington side? No, I didn't have anything there. Okay, Rams. Yeah, I can do the Rams. Rams plus one and a half. Yep. Okay, so we got Rams plus one and a half. And then did we want to go? Um what about Ram- the how do you feel about the cards? Cards I'm okay with. You liked the Bucks also. You prefer I, Bucks I, or cards? I I bet both of them, so it's your your choice. Let's go, but I, I like Bucks better than the cards in that spot. So let's go Tampa minus the one and a half. Okay, so we got Lions plus three and a half, Saints plus one and a half, Tampa minus one and a half, Rams. Uh, plus one and a half and the Browns plus the three and a half last week was our first really bad week. We were one and four um, there. And so uh, we had one, it's a second losing week ever. Uh, we've had five weeks where we were three and two, one, two and three, one, one and four. Let's get back on the uh, winning track this week, Eric. And uh, you and I will be talking lots of football coming up this week with uh, football, sanity to pick show, College football. Tell everybody uh, a lot of the stuff that you have coming up this week. Um, I have um, you and I. Well, I'll be on your podcast, which comes out Friday. My podcast comes out later in the day, Friday. Friday night, you and I will, and Jim will be on the um, BTV Fourth and not BTV. Oh my God, Campus Campus Profits. And Sunday, we'll be on the BTV Fourth and Inches, and also Thursday. Mo- at two o'clock Eastern time, you and I will do our, um, our Twitter space. Uh, you know, that's open, you know, you can come in and talk, you can come in, join the conversation, talk NFL with Gino and I tell us your bets for the day. You know, it lasts about 15, 20 minutes or so. Eric, it's sad, man. We're already into NFL week number eight. Look forward to so many more conversations with you in uh, in the next few days. Thank you so much, buddy. You have a great rest of your night, and we'll be back next week talking all the NFL games. But come hang out with us this week over at BTV Bets and, uh, and check out some of the college football and NFL stuff later this weekend. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What She Said. racing fans many of us have been using the drf the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use drf with drf.com and the newly optimized drf mobile you can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap 
past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com pre-entries are out right now at drf.com if you want to purchase your breeders cup free entry packages you can start handicapping the breeders cup right now purchase the packages and as soon as the entries go official you'll get those entries already so buy the package right now whichever you prefer whichever specific tools that you need i'm always on the formulator i love the formulator past performances so get to drf for the big days coming up the breeders cup just a week out Pony knowledge wide. Oh, 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 I got a place where winning ain't tough to do. You wanna be cool? Stable too. Your horse racing fantasy come true. But no, 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 stable too. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Make sure to tune in Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time for this weekend in Stable Duel, our show, our preview show. It's the No Chalk Zone, Matt DeSantis, Barry Spears. We give out best bets. This weekend, it'll be all about Keeneland for Friday and for Saturday because Keeneland will have three different contest options for you on Friday, a $40 game, a $250 winner-take-all game, and a $5 game. So bigger players... If you have a, a larger bankroll and you want to get involved, all of the options covered. Then on Saturday, it's the full adventure challenge, a $50 entry, and Keeneland will be giving you the or they will be giving you the opportunity at the Keeneland game for the full adventure challenge prize. So listen to this. You can experience horse racing from the ground up. Foals, 
Go on to the horse sales end of the track. Full Adventure gives you the ability to follow along the entire way. For $50 entry, you get to feel the anticipation, complete surprise of what is coming from the Mare and Stallion matchup. You get to find out how tall, what's the weight, all the things you can think but won't know until he or she hits the ground running. Full Adventure, based in Saratoga Springs, offers racing fans the opportunity to experience raising a thoroughbred racehorse with regular communication, including photos and videos. So you get the Full Adventure package. On Saturday, you can play for that at Stable Duel. Check it out and come listen in for more information about that on Friday morning. Let's dive into racing at Keeneland and at Santa Anita. Let's take a look at Friday, October the 28th for Keeneland. Let's flip to race number five. It's a mile on the turf. It's a first level allowance here. I thought the four CC cruise control might be interesting could have just been in a little bit too tough in the last couple face stakes and then wasn't against graded stakes company last time out. I'm going to use the four in any type of exotics. I like the eight most in there, Aztec Knights. If this one's anything over seven to two, I'm going to play this Philly to win. We know that she can pass horses, and almost everyone else in this field has shown that they want to be close to or right up on the lead, and Aztec Knights might get a great trip in here. I think going long on the dirt last time out may have showed that she just didn't really like the dirt all that much. We know she has no problem with the turf. Now we just have to see if she can go long on the turf. Aztec Knights is 9-2 to two on the morning line. If we can get anything over 7-2, to two, we'll make a win wager there. 8 Aztec Knights with the 4 CC Cruise Control. Moving to the 6th race. Maiden Special 8, 6.5 furlongs on the turf in here. I like the 8 Fiddle. Fiddle is a three-year-old filly who's raced twice, both on the turf, and both races she finished second. But on September the 14th, she went over to Kentucky Downs, and it was a good effort. She was in tight. She was in some traffic. She had to grab a hold. She was in between horses. She backed all the way up to about ninth of 10. She was about nine lengths off, but she was traveling really well. She tipped to the outside. She was about the seven path. It was a strong effort, and she gets some pace in here. She can come running late. She just has to transfer that form over to the dirt, and two of her siblings have won on the dirt. I like Fiddle. It's 12 to 1 on the morning line. Anything over 8 to 1 will make a win wager there. In the seventh race, it's the Myrtlewood, a six furlong stakes for two year old Phillies on the dirt. Another instance where it feels like there's a lot of these runners who want to be right on the front end. I'm looking at the horses who I know can sit off and pass horses. That's the seven, take charge Brianna, who goes back to a dirt sprint. After exiting a race going long on the dirt where she just hooked the wire-to-wire winner that day. She gets lots of pace to chase in here. The two, Santon Dahl comes in from Del Mar. Tried Graded Stakes Company last time out. And she's another that we've seen. She can pass horses. I thought both the seven and the two were live in here. They should both offer you nice value in exotics. They're eight and ten to one. The eighth race, it's the Valley View. Mile and a sixteenth on the turf here. I thought the six Majestic Glory was interesting. This is a three-year-old filly who was taken back inside. She was eighth of nine in her last start. That was on September 18th. That was over at Aqueduct. And that was her first start in the U.S. It was her first start in a few months. They kept her towards the inside. She started to move late, but the winner won wire-to-wire that day. The runner-up, Gina Romantica, came back to win the QE2 right here. So the race has already come back very live. I like Majestic Glory. She's 6-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 7-2 will make a win wager there. I'm also going to throw in the four My Philly Twirl. 
her turf form was excellent leading into the Edgewood. And then that turf race, that turf course at Churchill Down was kind of funky. There were a lot of horses that just didn't like it, and we haven't even seen it opened up in a long time. Anytime horses run really poor on that turf course or ran deceivingly well on that turf course, I might take it as sort of an outlier. I'd throw the four of my Philly twirl in some exotics at a big price. We'll use the six Majestic Glory and the four of my Philly twirl. Let's move to race number nine. And I'm going to look at the number five in here. That is Microcap. Microcap can... Oh, excuse me. I'm looking at the number eight Microcap. The Microcap is nine to two on the morning line, and she gets the the slight cutback here. the The race is a mile and a sixteenth. It's a non-winners of two. Powder River will likely take a ton of money in here, and you have Moon Swag who returns off of a, a long layoff. I'm looking at. Micro cap on the slight cutback should have a little bit more punch late. Second start off the short break, she kind of hung a little bit last time out, and now she'll be a little sharper in this spot. I'm going to be using her in exotics. That's micro cap, who is nine to two. Let's move along next to race number 10. We'll finish off the Friday card at Keeneland. That's where we were looking at the number five out to door. This is a Wesley Ward, four-year-old gelding, who might offer you some value in here with Joel Rosario board, cutting back from six and a half to five and a half. I think he could put himself in striking range. I'd love to see him sitting like third or fourth, and now he'll have a little bit more punch in here. He's lightly raced. He's a four-year-old who's had some big gaps in his uh, in his races, and so I, I think he's now really rounding back into form. I expect a big effort from Altador. In here, and he's 10 to 1 on the morning line. That's a look at Friday. Keeneland, best of luck playing the races over at Keeneland on Friday. Let's head to Santa Anita. Take a look at Friday. Santa Anita Friday, we're looking at October the 28th. Let's take a look at race number one. We'll kick things off right off the bat. They'll go a mile and an eighth on the turf in here. Maiden $50,000 claimers. I didn't think there's all that much speed. And Midnight Majesty is stretching out from sprint races um, on the outside. He sprinted in three of four. Vasquez is really good on the lead, and he jumps aboard. And there's just very little other speed. He has to prove he wants to go this far, but I'm going to look at Midnight Majesty in the opener four to one. If we can get anything over three, I'll make a win wager there in race number one. We turn the page to the third race. Let's look at the number... Seven in here. Are girls worth it? Seven to two on the morning line. This filly gets off the rail. She tried to stay with the leaders last time out. It was a 50 starter allowance. She had a good start, but she ended up having to back off a little bit. She backed up to third, and then she was just behind the leaders. She couldn't find a way through. She's lightly raced with some upside. The question is six furlongs. Does she really even want to go this far? I think she can sit and end up putting herself in a really nice spot. And she's seven to two. We'll make a play and use her if she's anything around three to one or so. Moving along to race number five for the next uh, race. There's a couple horses in here I think are kind of interesting, depending on how you're playing. The one Bravestone is sort of the long shot that's intriguing because there's not very much speed in here. This is the horse to catch. His maiden win going a mile on the turf would actually fit pretty well against this group. Barnfield 
should sit close in here. And then half Barber Bingy should come rolling. Third start off the bench. The blinkers come off. This is a good spot for her. One, two, and four in exotics in race number five. Let's move to the seventh race. And I'm looking at the number two in race number seven. We're looking at the Great Haynes. This one comes off of a race where he was going five. She was going five on the turf at Golden Gate. In two starts back, she was going five furlongs on the turf at Del Mar at this level. She had a slow start. She moved to the inside. She kind of shot up the rail to fourth. She was fourth in the early stretch before she tired. That was her first start in eight months. And all three of her turf races have been a little shorter, but she's a horse that's shown a bit of of kick, too. She can sit and she can close. I actually think six furlongs could work out well for her. She broke her maiden at six furlongs on or on the synthetic. She uh, she won her, I guess it was her third career start, not, bro- uh, not breaking her maiden, her third career win, her most recent win, came going six furlongs on the synthetic. She's third off the long layoff today. I like the Great Haynes. The number two, four to one on the morning line. Anything around seven to two is fair value. And then the ninth race at Santa Anita on Friday. We're taking a look in here at the number eight, Speed Lane. Speed Lane was traveling really well on October the 2nd, just behind horses and could not find room. Had to alter a few paths, came closing, and was only beaten three quarters of a length. That was the first start in a couple months, and that was just the second start in over a year, I'm expecting a big effort with that race under her belt. I think Speed Lane will step forward. 10-1 to 1 on the morning line. Anything around 5 feels like fair value. That's Santa Anita for Friday. Let's head on over and talk a little Saturday Keeneland. Before we get to Saturday racing, let's talk about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, full-service realtor Cindy Carava, and her website is C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, CindyCarava.com. Now, as a full-service realtor, she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can connect you to vendors if you need help with home improvement, all sorts of great folks, landscapers, gardeners, painters, people that she's worked with and has experience working with. If you're having trouble with the loan process, she can connect you with the right type of lender who will help make that process much easier for you. That's her job. She just wants to make life easier for you. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. CindyCarava.com is the website. Check it out. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Let's move on over to Saturday. Let's talk some Saturday Keeneland. Get those past performances out for October the 29th. And let's move to race number four. I'm looking at the number six in here, My Kentucky Girl. Her first two races were sprinting on the dirt here in Southern California. And following that, she tried going long on the turf. And she actually had legitimate trouble in both of those starts. She didn't have great finishes. I don't even know that she's against the grass, but it didn't work out well for her. Now she cuts back, she returns to the dirt, and this feels like a really nice spot for my Kentucky girl, who is six to one on the morning line. I think if we can get anything over four to one, that's fair value on her in race number four at Keelan on Saturday. Right next door in the fifth. Woo! We've talked about rarefied flair before. If you go through this Colts career and all of his races going long on the turf. He has a third place finish where he had legitimate trouble. 
Then he breaks his maiden. He comes back in a stakes and he finishes second. And then on October 9th, he was bumped at the start and he couldn't get to the spot that he wanted. He had to settle farther back than normal. He was eighth inside. He was in the third flight and he loomed up traveling really well, but he was blocked with absolutely nowhere to go anywhere. I think rarefied flair fits well. He is nine to two on the morning line. Anything over seven to two will play to win. Let's move to race number eight. Couple horses in here who I think are interesting if you're playing any tor- any type of late pick fours, pick fives. I like the twelve play action pass. I mean, just go through his races. What's wrong with his form overall? Back to back victories. He's won three of his last four. He's shown the ability to sit close and right on the lead, but he can also pass if the race dictates that and he has to come from out of it. He ran well the last time he was at Keeneland and it was off of a long layoff when he came uh, closing to finish third. I like play action pass in here. Last out stakes winner. Play action pass is 10 to 1 on the morning line. I would also include the number one ready to perform, who's versatile. Just was a little bit too far out. Um, had to go a little bit too far last time. A mile and five sixteenths. Now cuts back to a mile, saves all the ground. Ready to perform is another one who can sit close, who can pass horses if need be, or if they're going really slow and they want to get aggressive. He took the Hall of Fame grade 2 field gate to wire back on August the 5th. 12-1 in exotics in race number 8. Let's move to the ninth race. Just didn't feel like there was all that much speed in here. I think the one West Will Power should be sent from the inside and could be tough to run down in there. That inside draw comes off of an impressive victory at Churchill last time out. And West Will Power should be the quickest in here. Chess Chief. Folsom, first captain, King Fury, last samurai. Just don't seem to have that type of early speed. I think the one can steal it. He's four to one. If we can get anything around three, that's very nice. And I'll probably single him in late exotics. So that's Keeneland, Saturday, October the 29th. Let's finish up Saturday racing and talk some Santa Anita. Big time stakes action on Saturday at Santa Anita. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Stakes races. The late pick five is all stakes races, and there are two earlier on the card. Let's flip to Santa Anita for October the 29th. In race number one, it's the Lure, a mile on the turf. I like the two Prince of Bama, who tried the City of Hope mile last time out and was a pretty good third, was behind Beyond Brilliant, and just ran into horses who were just a little bit better, and the race shape wasn't quite to the... The, the shape that he would have needed to win that race I thought it was a good performance I think he fits really really well Looking at this race Lambo will probably go Air Force Red will be flashing speed And Mr. Impossible should probably be pretty close I think Prince of Bama could tuck in right behind them I like the 2 in here 5-2 to two on the morning line I may single this one in the early pick 5 Right off the bat Race number 3 is the grade 2 gold Akova. It's a mile on the turf for fillies and mares, 3-year-olds and up. And there's not much speed in here. I'm looking at Burgoo Alley getting the lead in here. In her last two starts, she was in races where she just didn't get the lead behind horses who wanted it a little more than her. You compare her to the rest of this field, she's naturally much faster than these. Burgoo Alley is a grade 3 winner. She got really good last year. She had five straight good races. Then she tried the dirt in the American Oaks. And following that, she came back in the Megahertz. It wasn't a bad effort. She actually had some trouble on January the 29th. But following that race, 
she had to go to the bench. She was sent on a layoff from the end of January till the middle of August. She showed back up in August on August the 13th, and she was close up early, and she... It was just her first start in six and a half months. She just got a little bit tired. She sat second, tracking nicely last time out, and she just finished fifth, and she was fourth prior to that in races where I think she was in a tad tough, but she gets better race shape here than she did in either of those last couple. I think she's going to be right on the front end, and I think that's how she can turn the tables on this field. Burgu Alley is 4-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 5-2, to two, we will take. Let's move to race number 6. It's the Golden State Juvenile Phillies. Seven furlongs on the main track. The number seven cast member is my play in here. Now, Kismosa is three for three. She's a multiple stakes winner. She's the horse to beat. But cast member's debut was very good. She drew post 10. She had a good start. She was caught four wide in the four path all the way around. And she moves just to the lead at the top of the lane. And she kicks on nicely. Thought it was a good performance from... Cast member, who's 4-1 to one on the morning line, anything around 3, feels like fair value. In race number 7, I like the 4 Handy Dandy at the price of 6-1. to one. Handy Dandy has really never run a bad race. All you see are good efforts from Handy Dandy on the turf. You see a horse who's run 9 times on the grass, 3 wins, 4 seconds, and 2 thirds. Always shows up, and she just might be a, he just might be a playable price now. He's... Six to one on the morning line. I think Ward C is the horse to beat. He had a little bit of a a physical issue that forced him to miss a couple workouts, and that caused him to have to skip the Ocean Side. And I think he may have been a tad bit short in the Del Mar Derby. He was tracking inside. He was in a little bit of a tight spot. He wanted to go. He had no room, but he angled off the rail, and he was still in a tight spot. He couldn't get to the wire-to-wire winner, but he did try really hard and just tired a bit late. I'll use the four and the nine in all exotics there. Race number eight is the Golden State Juvenile. The four giver, not a taker, will be very, very tough. His two dirt races were excellent. The six golf drama might be the quickest in here. And he finally put it all together in his third start. I think there may be a chance for him to steal this race. He might be the speed of the speed. So we'll use the six golf drama over the four. Give her not a taker. That's definitely the horse to beat the four. Race number nine is down the hill. It's the Senator Ken Matty. $100,000 stakes race. Six and a half furlongs. I like the six. Royal address. Second off the short three and a half month break. Last out was sitting fifth, was about three lengths off, and got caught in traffic in between, had to take up, had to check. That was at five furlongs. Now he gets back to six, she gets back to six and a half. She's won down the hill. Her last four races down the hill were all very good, a win, a second, a third, and a fourth. And the fourth was against Graded Stakes Company. Royal address. Good spot. 15 to one. We'll use the six with the three, eight, nine. Closing things out, it's the grade three autumn miss. A mile on the turf. I like Tesere, the number two. You dive into her last couple races. July the 23rd in the San Clemente. She had a fast start. She was in the two path, and then she got caught in between horses. She moved up to second early in the stretch, and then she just tired. She comes back in the Del Mar Oaks. She finishes fourth in a race behind Spenderella. Spenderella wins by four-plus lengths, and Tesere was six behind. It's not that bad. The unzip me. 
She's back to last. She's in some traffic at the back, and she's starting her rally. She comes rolling up the rail, splitting horses for fourth. A huge gallop out there going six and a half. That should set her up very nicely for this mile run. Tesere is 10 to 1 on the morning line. Anything around six will do the job for me, and we'll play a win wager there. That's Saturday, Santa Anita. Don't forget about the Pick'em contest, pick'em.sananita.com. They are free to enter, $1,000 to the winner. Their contest that combined horse racing questions with football, college football, basketball, baseball. If you're a sports fan and a racing fan, you will love these. Everything's free, so that's always the best way to build your bankroll. With a free entry, get involved, pick'em.sananita.com. Let's hear from... Another one of our longtime sponsors, Sarah Candles. So you want to set the mood. You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax. Non-toxic, baby. Scents for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. C-E-R-A Candles. Dot com. And don't forget... Promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm -hmm. These candles are different than all the other candles that you see out there because the soy wax means that they are not toxic, no carcinogens, no pollutants. It's all natural wax. That soy wax burns longer, it's healthier, it's better for you. And with the promo code GINO, It'll get you 10% off your purchase at sarahcandles.com. All of the different options you could ever imagine for every season, every scent, every mood, every setting. With the holidays coming up, these are perfect gifts for some of your friends and your families. You're not exactly sure what to get them. Get a couple different candles for them or maybe someone's cooking something kind of weird. It smells a little funky. It's always nice to have a Sarah Candle to throw on. C-E-R-A Candles.com. Sarah Candles.com. Promo code G-I-N-O. Gets you 10% off your purchase. Let's finish things up with this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We talk about WWE, SmackDown, and Raw. We talk about NXT. We recap Halloween Havoc. And then we talk about Tuesday Night NXT. And then we get into AEW Dynamite. Everything in the world of wrestling with Chad Cooper. We'll hit on all of it in the next 90 minutes or so. And then a couple best bets for the college football weekend from Chad. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only... Chad Cooper! Oh, it's that time to talk about everything going on in the world of professional wrestling. AEW, WWE, NXT, Raw, and SmackDown. We're going to hit all of it. We'll talk about Halloween Havoc, which also took place last week. Chad Cooper joins us each and every week. There are a lot of great Wrestling podcasts out there, lots of great content, but there are few that are like this. Normally, there are shows that recap Raw or review SmackDown. We get you everything all in one, and then Chad gives out some some best bets at the end also. I mean, you just won't find that anywhere else. Koopaloo, we started out with SmackDown this week on Friday, and we had uh, a 
a really good match to kick off the card Sheamus versus Solo Sokoa And Solo actually picks up the win And of course you'd imagine with these two And the groups that are around them There was a lot of shenanigans out there But Solo picks up the win Sheamus is really over After the match The Bloodline attacks Sheamus They beat him down Kind of selling an injury there But I'm good stuff, I think, for everyone to kick off the card Solo looks strong, Sheamus continues to be over I'd love to see these two groups go at it a little bit more And Sammy's bouncing around all over the place Uh, A fun way to start (laughs) Yeah, it was a really hot match here And uh, Solo is just improving week in and week out It's pretty pretty cool that they put him with Sheamus here And they they start the show with this Sheamus is so over, it's just ridiculous uh, I, I like the way they ended the match. I, I like the injury angle, and I like the way they teased us a little bit. Sammy kind of getting a little upset and saying, hey, guys, all right, enough's enough. We don't need to do this anymore. We He's hurt. Let's move on. I, I'm with you. I think they're setting up something summer or, excuse me, uh, Survivor Series related uh, with these groups. Um, but, man, a, a really good start. Uh, they beat the heck out of each other, and I like the injury angle here with Sheamus. You know, it, do you, kind of so. Do you think now? Do you think they are going to be the War Games match? Do you think it is Ooh. the blood like the Bloodline? Because we could do Bloodline with the Usos, Solo, Sammy, and Roman. And I definitely and, like this. Honestly, I like this better than uh, Judgment Day. The Judgment Day. I think, I think this, so too. I think this has a better. It, it's a more grudgier feel to it, if you know what I mean. And you could have, you know, the Babyface team be any combination of the Brawling Brutes. There, you've also had Ricochet and Madcap Moss as guys who have been sort of on the Babyface side, going up against the Bloodline. Trying to think of any others who might be Ugh. possibilities. I don't know if you'd have Drew there in the mix or not because he feels like he's kind of. It just does, I don't know if the babyface team feels strong enough. That's my only concern. Right, that is a good point. That is a good like, point. It it would feel because I'm I'm also thinking, and I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but it sort of makes sense with what's going on here because on SmackDown we also see Liv Morgan continuing to get more and more extreme oh, yeah, every yeah. week. Right, so I'm looking about on Monday Night Raw in in the way it's set up. What happened on Raw when Liv, when Rhea kept kicking, you know, getting the better of the guys? <laughs> that was great, by the way. It was really funny. Do you think they need to go and get a girl to help them? Ooh, and if you think about point. it, remember AJ, Liv, and AJ and Finn were kind of all together not and long you know what? ago. AJ did make this comment yep. after Gallows came limping in. We'll take, I'll get somebody to take care of her. Yep. I believe Do that's you think- what he said. Do you think that's Liv Morgan? Yeah, it is. It's got to be, right? She's got the built-in stuff with Rhea. She's got the built-in stuff yeah, with Yeah, because Alexa Bliss... Because if, if it's not Liv, who do you go to? Alexa Bliss? No. Do you go, uh, Maybe Asuka? Maybe. Definitely this is not Charlotte Flair's way back into this, no, it right? Would fit. I don't know if they flop Liv over to Raw, but damn, with everything she's doing recently with the extreme stuff, it would really fit well. For her to be the person there And then well, you I could actually Figure it out Gino damn it Because then you could have <laughs> the judgment day Versus You know it could be the judgment day Versus the club Live and like edge 
Maybe you get right. Myster- and then maybe you get Ray in there too. You know, like you have a lot of people that you could have on both sides. There, we could see it being. Maybe you do that. Maybe you get Liv involved and Rhea's on the other side, and they can kind of continue. Uh, you know what they had the story they were telling earlier on before. I don't know. I just thought. Yeah, and I th- you know what I, you know after Crown Jewel, I think we finally have the blow off match, in which we'll get to it in just a second with McIntyre and Cross in a cage. That's going to be a blow off, I would assume. And you know what? Mm-hmm. That would be a good way for McIntyre to get over on him. It's in a steel cage, you know, blah blah this. Um, yeah, there's a man. I thought I had it figure out. I, I really wanted the bloodline in this in this match, but now you've kind of sold me that. We could go the other way, and you know what? The live stuff—it's—it's it's been kind of iffy. You know, the first part of that match um, was—it's eh, like when the fans started seeing her get extreme. That's when they got excited. I know you're so right. I think that's they like that. Starting to finally sell with her. It's getting over. It this this thing is getting over. It's just going to take slow five because or six she, times, she comes right? From zero to nothing from this. She comes from yeah. nothing with this background. You know, and I will say. She, you're, 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 hit, you're hitting on a good point. Liv was in a bad spot right now, really bad. You know, before dude. this, so this is something that's getting her back to where the fans are wanting to cheer her, and she didn't maybe feel forced. And I think, I think it would be a good pairing for her to go and hang out with the club. On and you Raw. know what, I, I'm not all hell praise Triple H, but do you see a champion who loses the title, especially on the women's side, in previous WWE years? Coming back so strong and with some kind of going to the opposite end of the spectrum, going no, hardcore. Not at all. They're usually lose the, the title hardcore? and then they're off TV and they're on main event, and we don't see them for a few months until they come back and they're in a tag team feud. True, right? That's that's a great point. We got to Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt was like in the boiler room almost here, <laughs> <laughs> cutting his uh, cutting a promo and. He said he's always had problems And the anger takes him to dark places But he gets chances that most people don't He was okay with being left alone But he needed everyone And what we He said when people said You're thankful for him um, And they needed him He said He knows who you are And he knows what you're trying to do But it won't work He'll do horrible things But he'll never feel sorry for them I'm just a servant now I go where the circle takes me, and then he winked at the camera. I, I'm I, really intrigued with I all have of this. No idea. I have no. Clue. Me neither. I have zero idea. It, it sounded like like you were hitting on. It sounds like he's maybe having a feud with himself, right? Like it, if if you wonder if he's talking about himself, but if they come, if they have somebody else show up, it wouldn't surprise me. But I do think this is like an internal feud that he's going to have, and. The delivery is fantastic. I love that the promo was different. They just didn't have him come right back in the ring and do the same sort of promo like they did last week. This just looked a little different. This just looked a little bit unique. And yeah, I'm super pumped at where they're heading with Bray. Yeah, and I think there was another little vignette later on in the show. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was a recap of him doing this or if there was something a little else later in the show. But this is great when because we're all going to be intrigued. With his return anyway, you can't, like I said last week, you can't just return him as, you know, Bray Wyatt um, or The Fiend. There's got to be something different. And, you know, we touched on it, you know, with all these new writers that are coming in with with experiences with Marvel, uh, big, big time action uh, sci-fi thrillers. I, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. 
Um, and you can play this. You, I, I, this is the type of deal, you know, we always talk about uh, run, don't walk. But you know what? With Bray Wyatt, we can walk to this place with Absolutely. him. You know, and I think this is the perfect example of doing it because, you know, they did it with these QR codes for so long. We got there and it's just, you know, who is he talking about? What is he talking about? Are they bringing in someone? You know, I don't know. And that's what makes it really, really intriguing. I don't want to see him on Crown Jewel. I don't think we know. And I don't know if we'll see him at Survivor Series. Hell, I I, do you see him at Royal Rumble? I don't know. This is this is a trip because in, I'm I'm totally in agreement with you here, Chad. And I am the one who is usually the opposite. I'm always saying, "Hey, this person's hot. Go right yeah, now. Yeah, go now. Go right? now." I yeah. always say that. This is a different scenario, though, with Bray here because Bray is so much of a character that's like the Undertaker that yeah. he's weird in that it's hard to put him in the title picture. A guy like Bray. Remember, yes. they did this with the Fiend last time, and it ruined him. They yeah, put him in the title red match immediately, right? and then they had him lose to Seth Rollins, and then Goldberg's beating. He's beating Gold. It's just weird. They, you have he, to t- play it slow with him, and if he's going to be this regular character, then we can get him to the title. We could tell that story if he's playing this, this like an alter ego where he has you know like a split personality. That's the kind of thing where. He doesn't need to be thrown into matches immediately right now because it's not no, going to do no. him or anyone else any good. I totally agree with you. I don't even know. Maybe you see him at the Royal Rumble because someone can lose the Royal Rumble without feeling like they lost. Yes. You know? Yes. Like he can get thrown out of the Royal Rumble and then maybe that can set up his feud for WrestleMania without having him need to win it. But if you put him in any match and he loses that match, he's going to feel, you're going to feel like he's already cold. Do you think? Do you think maybe? I know. There, do you think Braun Strowman? Do you think there's a tie anywhere that Braun's back? I, maybe know, I could. I could see where you're going with that because they you know, they had. No, I'm just reaching. Yeah. No. It's 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 fun to to speculate because it's it's cool when we're in a spot where I truly don't know what Would they're doing. Would you want him to see the family back together and the buzzards? Would you want an Alexa Bliss back around? Do you, Do you think that he I don't, needs that? I don't think, think right so right now. now. Good. Okay. I I think this this Bray, this like behind the mask Bray, I'm kind of liking Bray Raw, and I'm yeah. I'm kind of curious yeah. to see where it goes. Like just just Wyndham is. And I think it. and I think it was really really good. And I said it last week, and I know I keep saying that, but we say such good shit every week. Sorry about that. It's true. We I do. think it was great that he wasn't seen and heard from a lot during the. WWE absence. He wasn't in AEW. He didn't go to. He wasn't know, on social Japan. media at all. He, nothing. Every now and then, some cryptic things. I think one time he was. He appeared at you know not even a signing, but he was someplace. But it just makes it all for mysterious that that we do not hear from this guy, and that's what makes it magical, man. It's it's SmackDown's really really fun show now with him on it. Now we want to hear more and more about the problems that he said he has yes, and the places yes. that he's been and the things going on yeah, in his I head. Don't, you know, I don't think we really got the true story behind Sister Abigail. I, no. I think, and look, I'm not saying we go back there, but I think there's a lot, a lot of stuff you can visit with him over the next couple of years. I really do. Without him having to have a title around his waist. We got a, a little video for our guy, L.A. Knight. They're, they're going to need to do Packages and stuff like that to build oh, yeah, him up yeah. because there were not not a lot not enough people know who he is yet 
Because he came up from NXT He was in Impact He was doing stuff in NWA But I I know you and I have had stock in this guy For a long time I just feel like if he continues to get put On TV And in you know, and you're giving him time out there. You're giving him matches. You're letting him mainly with him, letting him cut promos, letting promos him talk. Is a big key. He'll get over. I, I think. I think. Hopefully, we're setting something up where we always talk about the Royal Rumble, and hopefully, we'll do a a Royal Rumble preview show like we did last year. Oh yeah, rigged, yeah, that was rigged, a blast. You rigged, you rigged all the Lotto balls. Like I like, did. Uh, you know, the your 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 Lakers always seem to get number one, and my poor Houston Rockets who win eight games, we always get the second ball right. And uh, you had so a you, lot of like, um, <laughs> you had Otis's last year. You know, you were you were getting the uh, the uh, um, Umberto Carrillos of the world. <laughs> you know, those were your yeah, those were so, your but. You know, we always talk about somebody needing a really good run in the Royal Rumble. I think this would be perfect timing for him to, to I agree. talk his way into that and have a really good showing in that match, man. Yeah, not, not win it quite yet. He's not no, there yet. No, don't need yet. to win it at no, all. No, but, just, but just have have a, a, let him last for a while. Exactly, as a heel, right? Look real and let heel-y. him have some meaningful eliminations. That's and that's, what I'm trying to say. And, and then get yourself into a story. Yes, I would absolutely. I think that's that's the way to go with someone like him. Again, some of these characters too, like with La Knight, like with Gargano, who we'll talk about in a little bit. There, I don't mind the slow builds with them. It's not as if it w- it was different when you had Finn Balor, who comes straight up from NXT, and he's just one thousand percent over. Some of these guys now, like Johnny, was gone for eight months. Yeah. You know, he needs to get built back up again. LA Knight was a completely different character. You know, some of these character changes were they were they had characters that were completely different with different motivations. So give them a little time. I like uh, I like where we're headed with LA Knight. We're gonna get a big man battle, Braun Strowman and Omos, because they uh they had a stare down on SmackDown, and then we also uh heard more on Raw. So they're going to have a match at Crown Jewel. Omos is like five inches taller than Braun. It is pretty crazy to see him tower over Braun and, and looking down at him there. Is uh what did, did Omos beat four guys in a squash on Monday Night Raw? Yeah, four guys. And uh yeah, they had a stare down on Friday, correct? Yeah, and then yeah. Omos kind of pushed Braun out of the ring. Yeah, he's a big dude, man. You forget how big Omos he really is. is when uh somebody as big as Braun, you know. I, I you know, I expect Braun to 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 pull his weight and kind of guide Omos around. You know, a lot of these times we don't spec a whole lot in which we shouldn't, but there'll be a couple of moves. Somebody's going to go through like the railing or the ring may fall. There's going to be something that WWE has in store for this match for these two, two big guys. They always pull a rabbit out of the hat. It won't be I was going to say, but there'll be one. There's going to be a like, spot. It's going to be the ring break it. spot, right? Yeah. Or like, yeah. Something Brock Lesnar driving a forklift down to the uh which, <laughs> yes. That's like my son's favorite wrestling thing ever because my Milo loves construction vehicles. He loves v ve- he'll tell you the name of every freaking vehicle, back loader, forklift loader, um car carrier. Like he knows every one of them. And so he loved when Brock when Brock comes out driving the big forklift there. That was great. Um couple more things on SmackDown to hit on. We had, uh, oh, Sarah Logan's going to come uh, back with the Viking Raiders. So she'll just kind of add to their um, 
their overall presentation and Drew McIntyre set up a steel cage match with Karrion Cross at Crown Jewel so they continue on with their feud there nothing really new Shotzi and Raquel Lost their women's tag team title match To Dakota and EO, And this is just a problem we've had for a while They don't have tag teams built up And set up for the women The division just It doesn't feel like much of a division Who are the tag teams out there right now? Yeah, there's not very many natural ones That's for sure um, You know, I thought the match ended At a better pace I agree um, I, I, I don't know about them Getting another title shot I think Someone who lost uh, what on NXT or automatic? Oh yeah, oh, oh Lacey, uh, what's her name was talking about? We're already getting a title shot. I, it, it's just again, we're a broken record with this WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Um, it was odd how we got there with Dakota and EO. Uh, we thought they should have won several weeks before, and they didn't. And then they surprisingly won before a pay per view or what have you. But um, I don't know. This is uh, this is one area I would love to see a lot of improvement in with the WWE booking going forward. Be those women tag team titles because I think it's much needed. I'm not saying it doesn't. I just think there's. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It just seems like we can't even get a really a feud going because they have to bounce around from Raw to SmackDown. Then Bailey's a part of it a little bit. I know she kind of overshadows them. So hopefully we can get something soon here uh, for these ladies. We there's a lot on SmackDown now that we're kind of going back through it that happened this week. Rhonda pretty much full heel blown full blown heel turn now. Oh Rhonda. yeah, big time. Yeah, she said you know she owes the fans nothing. She gave them everything, but she got hate for it. And uh, open challenge next week. Then the the creepy video came with the the Bray Wyatt symbols and yeah, yeah that was it. And uh, said how you lied to the ones you love. Mister Howdy said Howdy. At the end um, Legato <laughs> del Fantasma and Zelina That should be a kind of a fun pairing With with, uh, yes, yes, with them They seem like yes. a good fit Yes they do uh, You know it's uh, And I think those guys are over I, I don't think there's no uh, There's no walking with these guys You just run I think these guys can all go in the ring And I'm anxious to see them to uh, See them work Some main roster guys uh, You know I know they had their thing with Hit Row Um you can see the differences. They just look a lot more uh, uh, veteran-oriented, more experienced, and I yep. uh, just like the gimmick here. We've been talking about Santos going to the main roster for man a while now, so I'm anxious to see where this group can go. I'd like He's to, like star. you said, I'd like to see them go with the Usos. I'd like to see them with uh, uh, the New Day. P- put them in some meaningful stuff where they can really go and hell crossover. I'd like to see them uh, the Street Profits. There's a lot of good stuff they could do with them. Ray Mysterio picked up a win over Kaiser. These are the kind of things we always see sort of on the way to the big matches. So it's just building. The match up. was great, dude. It was that really was good. Match, it was fantastic. And he's doing some Eddie Guerrero st- um, spots here. Kaiser's really good. Both of these guys, I mean, Vinci, Kaiser, Gunther, they can all go. And Mysterio and Gunther will be a really fun big man versus little man match. We finished up with Logan Paul. Now, here's the thing about this that makes it difficult. I think Logan Paul is like everything he said on in his promo is fine. And if yeah. you were like in an acting class or this was like a promo class and he cut it, it was totally fine. Everything he said makes sense. It was good. I just think it's still 
it's still a weird dynamic because the crowd got behind him at Wrestle was it was SummerSlam against the Miz, right? SummerSlam, yeah, yeah. And so the crowd got behind him there, but it was mainly because he was really good in the ring. And so then the crowd kind of won him over. He's not going to go and sell you with his promo skills. It's different than hosting a podcast. And if you're not like the fans don't just truly want to cheer this guy. And and he's also kind of in a weird spot because he's in there against Roman. Like I understand why they're doing it. It's a Saudi Arabia sure. show. They're gonna get some extra eyeballs on there. But there are probably a lot of the fan base that's like, ah, oh, Logan Paul getting a match against Roman. Now I think it'll be fine. And Logan's really athletic and he's done great in the ring. In and I, I don't really look at what he's doing and say, oh, he should have done this or he should have done that. It just I don't know if he's ever going to be embraced as like a, a huge baby face, especially against someone like Roman that people like to cheer anyways as a cool heel. Yeah, this is uh, the, the promo was a little iffy. There really, like I said, there was nothing wrong with it. I think the fans kind of bought it there towards the end. Um, you know, he's his brother is is a. D bag who this weekend's in one of these boxing matches with my all time favorite mixed martial artist Anderson Silva, which nice, they're probably yeah. setting they they're probably setting this guy up for just to get destroyed. But you know, you never know. I, I, I just I understand why they're doing it. This is definitely, definitely the entertainment aspect of it of WWE. It it really is. Um I'm ready to get to the match because we've been surprised what Paul has been able to do in his two previous uh, WWE stints. You know, we saw it, like you said, at SummerSlam, uh, WrestleMania um, had no issues there. Uh, If Pat McAfee can do what he can do, you know, Paul, you know, for what it's worth, the dude's a great athlete. Um, I expect an interesting match. I'm glad it's next, next week. I wish it was sooner. Because I still think we're going to have to see another segment. I don't know if he shows up on Raw Monday or not, but we'll see one more uh, next Friday, which will, I don't know if it's taped or not. Maybe it's not, but I'm just ready to get to the match because I think the match is, again, I think there's going to be some spots in there, going to be some holy crap moments. But uh, selling him over Roman Reigns, you know, over the last couple of weeks, hard to buy, man. Just can't. It is. Do They're doing this one lucky shot thing. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. It, it looked, he, which I, look, I which, understand. Me too, it makes sense, right? Coming from like the boxing Hey, that's how they're trying to sell Hey, you can get one lucky shot on them I I get it And they they had a little more Um A little more tension between the bloodline As, you know, Jey Uso Got involved and Went to try to attack Logan even though Sammy told him not to and Roman told him not to And so now I'm sure Roman will be upset with him As we get back to Smackdown this week But we head over to Monday Night Raw And we had the Judgment Day open things up. Priest, Balor, Dominic, Rhea Ripley. They talked all about how Dominic beat AJ last week. And that uh, Mommy knows that the Judgment Day runs the place and that Dominic is all man. Finn says that it was one of the greatest <laughs> matches of all time. And AJ crumbled against the legendary Dominic Mysterio. I think this is, it was pretty good heel stuff. Like, there, Dominic's getting some great heat right now, man. And I think he's doing a fantastic job as a heel. They found it. You and I were critical on this for a long time with Dominic. What are they doing? How are they? Man, 
I wouldn't have thought Dominic would feel this important as a heel in like he's a whiny, slimy heel. You want to see him get punched, but he's got this backup now. I think it's really cool. I love the dynamic with AJ and the club. I love everything that happened throughout the, the night where uh, Rhea kept getting the better of Carl <laughs> Anderson and Gallows. And then Gallows has to go in and he says, I'm great with women. I'm going to go handle her. And then he comes back and he's acting like she just got him. It was, they, they're doing a really good job with the Judgment Day. Um, I think it's the club has felt fresh and they've helped make AJ feel a little bit more important. And I, I liked. I didn't think Monday Night Raw was an incredible show, but I thought a lot of the a lot of the stuff that they did with these um, with these characters were were good and were entertaining, and I'm I'm excited for their match uh, six man tag next week. Yeah, this was a uh, this was a good episode for this storyline. Um, you know, it, again, kudos for them being able to come up with um, a lot of good stuff, especially since you know Ray was shipped over to to SmackDown. You know. Out of the blue and us not really knowing why um, And that's okay um, I, I think it's worked out <laughs> I think the segments uh, Were fantastic And uh, you sold me You sold me talking about Smackdown with Liv And I, again AJ made a comment I don't know what the exact words were But he says I have someone That I either know can handle her Or that will take care of Rhea Ripley So I'm excited to see who they pick For this uh, It's uh I wouldn't be disappointed if it wasn't Liv, but you got me excited that it could be Liv because her and Rhea have had so much history together. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it would be a, a fun selection there. Now we, yeah, have, we have a big storyline going on with The Miz and Dexter Loomis. The Miz um, hit Loomis with a steel chair and a skull-crushing finale, and he attacked, attacked him, him to try to make sure to keep Loomis out of the WWE Because if Loomis beats Miz he wins a contract Now Johnny Gargano Seems to have some information about this And it's kind of a slow Play and a slow build They even mentioned Ciampa And Johnny said no I just texted Ciampa He's injured you're lying Miz And um, We had Gargano End up losing a match later on On the card but it wasn't a clean loss. It was a, it was a loss to Baron Corbin and JBL, who are a new presentation. I don't mind. I've said with Johnny losing because he's a babyface. That if he's losing in spots like this when heels are help are getting the better of him, it doesn't bother me. He's going to have his big moments, and he's also in this storyline that ties Champa Loomis to Miz. What do you think about all this happening? It's a lot. It really is. It's a, it's it's a lot to digest. And um, you and I have specifically been saying over the last couple of weeks, just with Gargano out of the picture, you know, how does the the Miz Loomis thing end? I, I thought there were some pretty good skits here. I think later on the night, uh, Johnny gets a a card from Miz and Maurice for for Candice. Uh, you know, congratulations, and then. Gargano's got a couple of good funny lines. It's like he didn't Miz didn't even sign the card, or he's rich and didn't he put any money. I, I, I and then he Miz says at one point he says something about uh, we want truth, and then our truth comes out. Oh, and now, then, now that was fantastic. Now, it was that, that that was really really good. That it was, was funny. Really good. That that was spot on. I just don't know what we're we're doing here with Miz and Loomis, and it kind of drives me crazy a little bit. 
It's yeah, like, I wanna, okay. We need I, to get I, I to a conclusion. Now, I do think I'm going to give it a little more time because I, at least Loomis and Gargano, there are ties with all of them because together they were together on NXT. They were part of that family. Maybe there's something there that they're going to get to. But it does feel like this has been dragging a little long for a while now with the Loomis and Miz stuff. Like we gotta, we and gotta get to. I think they're trying to tell the story, and, and I think they're trying to tell the story of NXT. And sometimes that kind of colludes what you're trying to do, and it doesn't. It, it makes it trying to get over more difficult. I completely agree. You are taking your time with this. I, I just, uh, you know, I don't. You know, I know, I know they want the pop payoff. I, I you know. I like what they're doing with with Johnny. They're putting him in valuable segments. I mean, look what they're doing with Candace. She had a sit down for God's sake. That was good, I, it, which was really good. But I would like to see what kind of payoff we're doing with Loomis and um, and the Miz. I, I, I think a mixed tag. You know, I, I think uh, Indy Hartwell could get involved. I, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways you could go. I just don't know which way they're doing it. It kind of drives me crazy a little bit because I really, really like Loomis. I think that character. Is really really strong. We had Elias and uh, with his guitar riddle with the bongos, and that would end up leading us to a a match Elias versus Chad Gable a little later on, where Elias would pick up the the victory there. So Elias is back, just wanting to give him a win and, and give him some kind of fun segments to get back over here. Um, nothing all that that crazy. Um, Riddle does feel a little less right now, though, than he did a few weeks ago, maybe just kind of being involved here and not necessarily as much with Rollins where he had been for a while. But I mean, this is entertaining. They're giving him something to do. I think it's kind of a it's sort of a weird spot because they've got the Crown Jewel show. They've got some uh, Survivor Series after that. But they're going to be building really, I think, to the Royal Rumble for a lot of these guys. So I don't know how many feuds we may see. For some of them over the next couple months It just might be kind of continuing to build The individuals Yeah and that sucks because he had such a great run With 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 Orton And from what I'm hearing Orton has um, We don't know when or if He's going to be back I'm hearing he, yeah. he's got a Pretty severe back injury And and that just that sucks Because uh, he, he's one of my Not only my all time favorites But he's a guy that helped Lead the WWE through the Through the COVID era and what he and Riddle was able were able to accomplish with those tag team titles was just amazing. And you know, despite the good matches with with Rollins, Riddle just even if Riddle would have went over, it just he doesn't seem near as important. And you, when you kind of flounder in the wind a little bit, like AJ Styles was doing, it sucks. There's a major putback. People don't forget you, but they see other people doing other things and it's really tough. There's right now, there's just really nothing for him again, maybe a good run in the Royal rumble with him. Uh, I don't know, but, uh, Mandy sure is kind of flailing in the wind a little bit. That's for sure. Mustafa Ali had a match against Austin theory that Seth Rollins actually gets uh, involved in and Seth Rollins helps Austin theory pick up a win. So I wonder if they're heading somewhere with, uh, you know, with, with these guys now, um, all, all involved. It Seth and Ali really seem like they're, you know, they're heading for a match. Are we gonna did they did they have that match set for Crown Jewel? Have they announced that? It feels like we're gonna have that, right? 
it feels like we're going to have it. I don't know about it at Crown Jewel. I would think that would be the perfect place for it. Um, the only problem I've had up through this far with Raw, especially with this match, it seems like a lot of the matches were distraction-type endings. Absolutely. I was going to say, it's been that no. way. You know what? AEW had kind of a... There were a lot for for them also. It's been... It's been the last couple of weeks, we've seen a lot more of them also. It's a, This is a Triple H thing. He does it. Sure. He has the distraction finishes and a lot of heel finishes to build up to the big babyface wins. But I agree with you, and you can't help but notice it when it happens repeatedly. There, I mean, they um, had a dusty finish. Maybe there was a dusty finish on Raw, or maybe there was one on NXT. But you know, one, maybe two is fine. It seemed like Raw, you know, was. But you know what? You know, after the match, you know, Theory. I don't know. I just don't know what we're doing here with Theory and his briefcase. I guess you really don't have to do much with him with anything because he's gothic, and that is the gimmick. You know, a lot of people were crapping on Ali again here over the last couple of weeks. But I tell you what, I guarantee him and Seth Rollins will tear the house down at Crown Jewel. That's for sure. I bet they go. I bet those I bet those two put on a hell of a match. Yep. The Monday Night Raw show rolled on. Omos got the squash. We talked about that. He beat four uh, there. And then we already uh, spoke all about what was going on with the Judgment Day. We had Baron Corbin versus Gargano, which we talked about there. Gargano threw on JBL's hat for a minute, and was, oh man, uh, was, JBL cut a cut a fantastic promo about Cleveland. You know, he's Johnny in Gargano, great form right now. You know, and he said, you know, look look what happened to your quarterback. He goes to the Carolina Panthers, and look, they're losers. <laughs> hey, do, do you like do you like this version of Baron Corbin not speaking and letting JBL do it for him? I don't mind it. I mean, JBL is ta- is is good. Now Corbin can talk a little bit too. I, I I hope eventually we get to the point where they can both talk, where Corbin can talk a little bit more, and they can kind of play off of each other. I think we'll get there. But th- uh, this helps. This is helping Corbin. I get feel like he's got a, a like a fresh feel like he's a little bit fresh here at least. Oh yeah, I'm I'm for sure. Yeah, I, I want to see some interaction. But man, I tell you what, those are odd segments when JBL's involved. He's just so damn good on the microphone. We finished up with Bailey versus Bianca And I don't know I don't I hate this kind of thing When when they have Bailey get a win That'll probably just give her another title match When we just saw her lose a title match When couldn't this have been a number one contenders match That Bailey beat somebody else And Bianca gets involved in Bailey ends up getting the win because Nikki Cross returns and we get the actual Nikki Cross, not Nikki is superhero, almost a superhero anymore, the really cool, crazy, unhinged version of Nikki. I love this character. I think she'll be an addition to the women's division. I just don't like having Bianca get beat in spots like this. It just, you know, it, you and I complete harp on this over and over again. I don't it, I just think you can find better ways to get Bailey back to being a number one contender. I would rather Bailey win the title in this situation. Uh, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think the match was fantastic. No issues. Um, probably a little bit better than their previous match. Don't have a problem with Nikki Cross coming back and, and going berserk and, and crazy. I, I, I definitely like that. Like the fact this was the main event. Um, as you know, and everyone else who listens to This Week in Wrestling, I'm not the biggest Bianca fan, but I just don't get when champions 
lose matches like this. Like I said, I'd rather see Bailey win the title. It's off of Bianca, and this is how she wins. And now it's setting up for another rematch that it, maybe if Nikki Cross is involved in, maybe I could get excited about. But, I mean, no offense, and I'm a massive Bailey fan. I'm not excited about another round of, of Bailey and Bianca. Just not I, that. Just when she just lost cool. kind of clean, you know, it's like, know. When, and she lost to Candice the other day too. Bailey did. Um, true. That's true. So I, yeah, I, I thought happy to have Nikki back, but I, I didn't love the way they ended with the, uh, with the result Hell, there. There were a lot of people thought that Bailey was the new champion. I know that, that felt like, they did something like that in, in WCW with Hogan and with Piper at one of the shows where they didn't really tell you the match wasn't for the title. And then Piper wins and everyone's looking around after and it's like, oh, no, he didn't win the title. It's like, what the hell? You guys really screwed with us there. You know, that re- reminded me of that as we move over to NXT. It was a big week for NXT. because They come off a pay-per-view and then a very buzzy debut on Tuesday night. First up, let's talk about the pay-per-view And we were right about this one And they built this for a while Sometimes predictable is okay Wesley gets the win in the ladder match The show overall, I thought was good The middle part of the show was There were some things that they hit. They were hit or miss You may have liked, you may have not But the opening match and the closing match Were freaking fantastic And this ladder match was awesome I'm with you. I majority of the time NXT big events, especially their pay-per-view standalones are just amazing. Uh, there's usually maybe one or two match that doesn't hold its water. Um, I do like the fact, and we talked about this last week that this wasn't an eight or nine match pay-per-view. I think there were only six matches. I'm with you. I'm going to say it was above average. Simple fact. Uh, I thought the bookends uh, of the show, and I also thought the the Creed match. That match was uh, awesome, too. I agree. Those were the high points. It wasn't like the work. It wasn't like the work was bad. I think the gimmicks and, and like, the matches kind of hurt them a little bit. Right? Like, yeah. Apollo and Grayson have been doing this weird gimmick. It ends, you know, recently. Apollo has been like bleeding from the eyes. <laughs> then they get in the ring, and a lot of the ring work is fine. But the weirdest part about that match, there was a part where Apollo goes through the casket into the casket, and the match should have been over right then. <laughs> right. And and the announcers didn't even know. Like Booker T was like, "That's it. It's over." And they're like, no, no I, it's I, not, Buck. It's not at the referee's <laughs> discretion, and we're going to continue the match. And Apollo ends up winning. I didn't like that. No, I thought, no, it was sloppy. It, it hurt it a little bit. Thought the women's match was not very good. Um, it was. I, the, I, this, I understand. So Roxanne, Cora, or are you talking about first? I'm talking one? about both of them. I'm yeah, talking so both were not very good. Let's talk Roxanne, Cora first. That one, this whole feud, they it's screwed it off. up. They screwed it up right off the bat, Chad, because yeah. they had them turn on each other before we even saw them as friends. We didn't or know. Even like the, 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 you're defending the tag team titles, and we've already, we haven't even, we've turned on them. Or they turned so on each other. We stopped, and Cora Jade was someone that people cared about. And I think after that, nobody really cared about her anymore. It's not even really as much in like a, oh, she's a heel. It's just like, oh, okay, she won a title and just threw it away. I mean, that was weird. And then the, the spot at the end, it's kind of like a trust fall. When they like yeah. fell backwards together. 
Good call. Um, I don't the like the in ring work. A lot of it is fine. They're both good. They're both going to be really good in a few years. Roxanne might be the next number one contender. She feels like she might be. Um, but yeah, I, it just it didn't hit home for me. And then the women's match, the other one, Mandy Rose versus Alba Fire. It was a total. Um, uh, it, it was a a haunted house match, and it was a cinematic match. It wasn't even as much of a match as it was. A, I I don't mind when they try things like that. I just thought it felt a little off. They were they were trying to go for like funny comedy almost in it, and it felt it just felt a little bit weird. Yeah, first the Roxanne Cora. I, I'm completely with you here. I mean, look, let's go back to day one. You and I both thought that Cora was going to be the next NXT Women's Champion. Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, and then some weird things started happening with her, and they 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 added other people to the match, and then. So anyway, uh, yeah, the trust fall definitely wasn't near as good uh, that uh, I don't forgot what impact pay-per-view it was when Chelsea and Deanna Perrazzo from the top of the ladder. That that's one that's that's absolutely that was a way better spot. Yeah, that's never going to be duplicated. I, I, I just didn't think the match delivered at all. It's been a weird feud. You know, no offense. They. They kind of mimic each other a little bit. They, you know, it's just, I don't know. Um, it seems like when there were both faces, their personas were kind of same. They're so young, yet both so talented. And I'm with you. I, th- I think Rock, you know, Roxanne's probably your next number one contender. I don't know where else they go. And the Mandy match, I, I, I'm okay with her keeping the title. I, I, I'm not the biggest. It didn't Alba feel like it was yet. Alba's time. That's no, a, that's, it didn't. No. It seems like she was just, hey, this is a safe bet for this type of match with her for Mandy. So we could I lean into the think, Halloween havoc gimmick yeah. with with her. You know, that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think they're missing, and this is what happens when they move people up. I, I think they're missing the presence of people like Shotzi and. Who can can deliver in those matches for you? And I she would have. It's cost this division. She might have been in that spot right now. You're right. She would have been oh, like absolutely. the next sure, person sure. to battle Mandy. And and maybe she's not. Of them. But she's the one that comes to mind because she was on the show as a as a co-host or whatever. But mm-hmm. it just yeah, seems you're... like you know it's like uh, it's kind of there. I don't mind Mandy Rose keeping the title, but it just seems like uh, that division a little bit is is kind of needs a little jump start. And maybe. After what we saw on Tuesday with the tag teams, maybe we'll get Zoe or Nikita in a singles kind of role also, and maybe Roxanne. And yeah, they kind of have... teased that, didn't they? They lost the match, and Nikita said, hey, I'm sorry, it was on me, and, and she said, no, no, but hey, I'm going to do everything we can to get another rematch, and I'm like, uh, okay, what, a rematch for them to turn on each other? That would be the only thing that I buy. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind I seeing Nikita turn heel or whatever. No, me neither. As uh, <clears throat> we just got a quick uh, skit, Duke Hudson joins Chase U, <laughs> so <clears throat> he's gonna try to infiltrate it. I love how he was he was being <clears throat> like a real Eddie Haskell in there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> leave it to Beaver references, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like As, remind uh, me of like the Revenge of the Nerds. Remember when they got Booger or no Ogre to come over and be a nerd? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, those kind of remind me about. It. I don't mind these skits at all. They had another good one on NXT too. I like them. It was it was funny. Um, now we had the Roxanne Cora match. We just quickly checked in with uh, with Shotzi and Quincy. They didn't do a whole heck of a lot. Um, yeah, I think but, that was a waste. 
Yeah, it really was. Uh, Lash Legend came out and that set up a match that was going to be on Tuesday. But the ambulance match, man, these guys went at it. Julius yeah. Creed and Damon Kemp, they were from the get go, they were just at a quick, quick pace, super, super physical. And I thought it was a really good match. I thought it was a good, uh, a good night for Julius. Julius ends up getting the win in over 14 minutes. Fantastic. I just, it was like the Creed, the Creed boys. And I'm not talking about it. And I'm not talking about Scott Staff and the boys. I'm talking about the the Creed boys. I just, they do phenomenal work. You know, we were wondering how this match would turn out. Um, It was good. There, there were three great spots on this pay-per-view, and this was definitely one of them. What a match. I thought it was really, really good, man. It honestly felt like two different shows because there it were did. three good out of the six matches. There were three that were awesome that I would tell you to go rewatch again, and then the other three that just didn't quite connect. But, man, Braun Breaker, Dragunov, J.D. McDonough. I will say it probably wasn't the time for Dragunov or McDonough to win. But dude, watching them on Tuesday on NXT, they have a main event. And the story oh, that these guys are telling, they feel like they've kind of become the main event themselves, even though they don't have a title. They're they are both such and I'm not saying this to downgrade Braun. Braun Breaker's great. Braun Breaker's last couple of matches, he's, no, he's felt, improved. He's improved, he, but and, but you know, he's improved because the guys he's working, like these two. Are hell of a hell of a wrestlers, man. These are incredible professional wrestlers with everything, like their package, the character work that JD McDonough does, the evil stuff. Man, it's it's scary. Like it's kind of creepy. And then you have Dragonoff, who's like the incredible baby face who just keeps fighting and fighting, and he's so passionate. And they had a match on Tuesday night in the main event where Dragonoff just passes out. Bleeding from the mouth In the middle of a, a submission hold And McDonough's like squeezing it on And you end that show With with like Dragunov being carried out He's like convulsing And like having like a seizure almost And McDonough's like staring a hole Right through him I Man like These two guys are Just so so good at what they do And they're they're really hitting a home run Right now I, it's uh, you. You described it perfectly, man. This was uh, this is a hell of a main event. This is what you expect NXT uh, when they have a main event uh, on a pay per view standalone type show. That this is black and gold stuff right here, folks. And uh, if you're if you're joining, if you join the NXT late, if you started watching the 2.0 and you weren't uh, a fan or didn't have the means to watch it when it was on the network. This is the type of matches that we were used to when we had main events with big name guys like Adam Cole. Um, it, it just doesn't get any better than this. The story was perfect, and what they did on Tuesday night to follow it up, holy cow, man. These are really two good professional wrestlers right here. Excellent stuff there. We uh, will head to NXT Tuesday and uh, talk about a few more things. It was... Tag team title Tuesday Where we had <laughs> Both of the Tag team championships defended And First up we had a video package That showed the highlights From Halloween Havoc 
And then we end, opened up with the women's tag team championship. So they actually had Nikita and Zoe win the match. Yeah. And then they stopped and they said that this was one the of, dusty finish. This, this was, was the dusty, dusty finish. This was what and, I, and, yeah. and they did it so dusty that you honestly didn't know if they really screwed it up or not. Right. But, it felt like they had more of the match to get to So that they didn't And then what happened after Like we said They were kind of talking and teasing About how they wanted They'll get another match But it it did feel like Did they just screw that up? <laughs> um, but the in-ring work was really good I gotta say And I was impressed with some of the tag team stuff That we're seeing from Char- uh, Carter and Chance They actually look good as a tag team now Working some of their moves in And for as much as we give her crap About the promos and stuff Zoe Stark can go, man. Oh, she yeah. can that, that's really never go, been the man. issue. Never yeah. been the freaking issue, man, with, with her. I, I, I thought for sure I was convinced last week that this was a title change here. Um was wrong. Um I do like the fact that uh I, the dusty finish was fine. I'm okay with it. I'm with you. I thought something was a little wrong with it in the beginning, but then later in the show. Nikita kind of apologizes to her and says, hey, it's my fault. Zoe says, no, it's my fault. You know, I'm going to get us another title shot. I wouldn't mind seeing them beat somebody to get to another title shot, but only if if they turn. That's That only makes sense because, I mean, it, it was a hell of a match, but I would like to see one of them turn. I, I think it would be more believable if Nikita had it in her. She seems more like the badass to me. But uh, I think those two could put together a really good, strong women's singles match storyline that I think that that division really needs. That we just talked about a jump start. These, these two in a storyline could get it done. Uh, a couple other things on NXT to discuss. We had just a video about the main event from Halloween Havoc with Braun Breaker. We saw Wes Lee backstage and Dominic... Uh, Dijakovic, Dijakovic is is yeah. coming back, Got a new which gimmick. is awesome, dude. Love it. This guy is incredible in the ring, and he was in the Retribution thing as T Bar, and that just wasn't working. This dude was one of the hottest free agents when they signed him initially. Yes. And was he was he having the bangers with Keith Lee right off the yeah. bat? Yeah, he had a couple of like really good matches with Keith Lee. He can go if they if they present him like. He could be a guy that takes the title off of Braun Breaker. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. If they presented him like a big star, that could that could absolutely be the case. As uh, Wesley came out, cut a promo. It was cool for Wesley to talk about how it's been such a tough year for him. He was released. Uh, tag team was his partner did some crazy stuff, and then Wesley got to come back. And he had a singles run. He's had to deal with Carmelo and Trick through all this. And he gets the win, but he's interrupted by Grayson Waller, and then they're both interrupted by our truth, which is just <laughs> so random. Our truth says it's Halloween havoc tonight, and they're like, "Nah, man, that I got was last, for you, pal. That was that was last week, bro. That was a few days ago." Uh, but uh, yeah, they they basically just set up a match for our truth to have. Next week, which is which is funny because I think people enjoy seeing our truth. I don't mind. This is this is a good use of him. He can still go, and our truth will uh, will go next week with Waller. So it was funny. I thought Wesley came off like a good baby face, and I thought it was it was kind of a fun segment. 
again, the ageless wonder, our truth. You know, so I just, <laughs> you know, the guy plays this gimmick so well in what he's he 50, almost 50. I don't know. Um, and he could still go in the ring. I, I think it'll be a nice little addition next Tuesday. Um, he can still get after it. I just think it was funny. Who was it? Uh, was it Walker that said, I've got news for you, pal. Halloween was, happened, was two days, days ago, ago, bro. It yeah. was. <laughs> it was good. It was good. So Apollo says he's going to be focused on becoming the NXT champion. Maybe we get a that could just be a fun match. Apollo versus Braun Breaker. Um, and we also wonder about someone like a Carmelo who might be in line to move up and get a shot for the yeah. NXT championship now that he's not involved in the North American championship stuff anymore. Um, I think Apollo and Carmelo would both be really good. Matches moving forward in the next couple months for Braun. Yeah, I think the Apollo will be good. Here, here's the thing: is is do you boo or cheer Apollo? Is it one of those situations where it hurts both of them? Here, I definitely don't want Braun to take a step back. You're right. I agree with you. You know this this weird. Either Apollo needs to go 100 percent full heel. I just sometimes the these type of matches do not have a good way of working no. themselves out. Now the match may be fine. But it's like you sit on your hands like, what do we do here? So I, I, I don't mind. I don't mind it. I'll give it time. But usually they don't end well for either one of them. The uh, short match between Shotzi and Last Legend went to Shotzi in just a few minutes here. Um, nothing real crazy. Sure. But we did, we did get um, an attack on the Creed brothers, Veer and Senga. Look like they're sorry, son of a gun. Yeah. Why, Sanga? Why? Why? Um, as they are attacking the Creed brothers, and looks like we may have a big, big tag team now, a big heel tag team with Veer and Sanga. And you know what? NXT could use a big heel tag team like that, right? I think you could always use a big, like, uh, authors of pain. You could always use a big heel. Tag yeah. team like that And this could be them And we'll see how they are in the ring If they've improved at all But this could be fun for the Creed brothers And gives them a little something to do Because I don't think they just wanted to throw them Right back into the tag team titles Against Pretty Deadly And I'm stoked about it man Me too I'm stoked about it I think it'll be good for all yeah. of them Yeah We had just a little check in With the Toxic Attraction Next week they're going to celebrate the one year anniversary Of Mandy's title win and It would definitely have somebody crash the party Who's going to be the number one contender Are you saying it's Roxanne? I think it's Roxanne Or do you yeah. think somebody from the main roster comes down? I think it's Roxanne Okay. Pretty deadly picked up the win over uh, Blade and Inofe The match was very good oh, and Nothing wrong with the match Good. Nothing at all It just it didn't really feel like they were a built up Contender to win the match um, Blade and Inofe but you can do a lot worse for 13 minute match on TV that if you're a star person, I thought it was like three and a half ish stars. And then we get a big debut, the schism. Joe Gacy, Rip Fowler, and Jagger Reed come out and they have a new member. And it's someone in it's the the person in the hooded figure. And it's Ava Rain, wow. the daughter of the rock. When this segment Gee. started, I thought, oh no, Gino. Oh, Me too. No, not these guys again. And then the Rock's daughter 
Takes off the mask She's only 21 years old She says that the love and acceptance The schism has given me Defies any preconceived notions Of who I am supposed to be This family completes me I am Ava Rain Love it It was simple And you know what it does It puts her in a situation where She's going to be in a group There won't be as much pressure on her She doesn't need to be some baby face that comes out And is trying to be like The Rock Cutting funny promos or being creative She gets to be just a different character On a show and carve out A, a different way of doing it And I think this will help have less pressure On her because man this got picked up By all of the major media outlets They were all talking about The debut of The Rock's daughter So there are going to be a lot of eyes on her I think it makes it easier for her You put her in the ring with Gacy and a couple other guys Who are sort of veterans they've been around and It'll just take some pressure off of her shoulders. Well said. I, I, like I said, I thought this segment was doomed from the beginning, and then uh, the reveal. I went, okay, now they're just that simple uh, addition, kind of like uh, you know Finn Balor and Damian Priest, just uh, adding Rhea Ripley to the group. Could, could, yep. And I'm not saying this is the exact same, but. Just little changes like that into a name like this can be very good for all involved. She did, she looked comfortable. She didn't have to say yeah, all did. that much, but she it was did. you don't need fine. to. You don't no, need to. That's it. That's all. You, that's all you need right now. We uh, continued along with a a weird voice leaving a message. It said, <laughs> "Let go of all of your pain, washing away your deepest fears. Listen with your eyes, speaking with your ears." Awaken from the pits you call the dark Opening up to my soliloquy It's just the start Watch as I come and leave my mark As I plan to rip all of NXT apart Okay Spooky (laughs) We'll see who that is Honestly no I have no clue clue. I wouldn't even Because with NXT it's hard It's not like on WWE They've got guys and girls waiting to come up Exactly if it was WWE I'd make a guess Because it would probably be someone that we knew Right. This could. This is most likely someone that we don't even know. Or no, with a brand new side of the room, yeah. yeah, yeah, with a brand new gimmick. Um, Indy Hartwell picks up a win, so what's nice is that Indy she's stacking some wins now. Maybe Indy is someone who moves up for Mandy soon. Could be. She's could picked be. up a couple victories recently, and uh, we have Chase U and Duke Hudson. Nothing really, right? Just a, a quick segment here. He stole his neighbor's pen, and uh, yeah, that was that was the uh, the segment. But we finished with that awesome main event, man. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, go check it out. JD McDonough dragging off referee stoppage, and Dragonoff's placed on a board. They stretcher him out. He's kind of like having a seizure, and JD McDonough is smiling as they they take him out. That was good for a way like for Halloween week, the way to end there. That oh, looked yeah. like a scary movie. It really did. It was creepy. Nah, it was good. It was really good. Those two guys but, can go, man. Coop, let's finish up with AEW Dynamite. We open things up with Jericho and Daniel Garcia versus Claudio Castanoli and Wheeler Yuta. And the match is good. Claudio and Wheeler win, but Something happened recently with this Ring of Honor thing they've been doing Because now Chris Jericho is saying he's going to challenge 
any Ring of Honor champions, not just the world champions, anyone who's ever been a champion before. I think they're kind of hitting a wall with some of the world champions they can find. And (laughs) yes. And now it's weird because he already beat Claudio for this. It felt like in just the way that they were building it up and they they showed Ring of Honor final battle as a pay-per-view they're gonna have, I think in December, um, at the end of the year. And it looked like Samoa Joe was kind of the guy that they were gonna have Jericho face at that show as like the last of the Ring of Honor champs. But now it doesn't look like they're going in the direction with Samoa Joe because Samoa Joe's totally in this Wardlow thing. And they had Jericho lose to Castanoli. And what was crazy about this is if you were trying to build up Claudio, I actually thought Wheeler Yuta was the guy who looked better in the match or looked kind of like a little bit more of the star, the guy that you're trying to build up. I don't, it was a little bit weird to see Jericho lose because I, I thought they'd been doing a, at least a pretty decent job with him here. But again, I don't, I don't understand what they're doing with the ring of honor. And maybe if I did, it would help me make sense of it all a little bit more, but I never quite real understand why there's so much time where there's, they're mentioning ring of honor. They're talking about ring of honor their Ring of Honor titles, they're building to Ring of Honor stuff on an AEW show. I just, I didn't, I don't understand. Maybe I'll, I'll understand more if in a couple months they get a TV deal or whatever it is. But yeah, I don't. I guess we're gonna get back to Claudio and and Jericho again. Uh, I hated it. I, I, I don't mind the match. I just hate the the story of this. <clears throat> and if God forbid somehow they go the way of Jericho versus Jerry Lynn. That made me push me over the edge with AEW. Yeah, you know, somebody, I know. Some, somebody mentioned that. Then I went and looked at all the Ring of Honor world champions from the start of the company, and it's just like basically it's over and over type guys. You know, Brian Danielson, Jerry Lynn, Austin Aries, Roderick Strong, Eddie Edwards, Davey Richardson. You're not getting a Rollins or a Kevin Owens in there, right? You're, you're Michael Elgin. You're not getting that. There's Jay Lethal. There's O'Reilly, Christopher Daniels. Um, Dalton Castle, who already you know, had like, but who is, who, you know, Taven who, is being brought in, but he's being involved on on the Friday show with Samoa Joe already. With Samoa what, Joe. what is the finale? Like, what was? Did you have a plan for this? Right, that that's sort of what I'm getting at. Is that I don't think they if did. You, you know, I don't. If think you they were did. gonna run this gimmick to where the final guy was, you know, this kind of reminds me reminds me of what happened with AEW. When they had Kenny Omega win the Impact title, it's like who's going to be the guy from Impact that finally wins it from Kenny to put him over? They didn't really have that set up anywhere. They had Christian win it, and then Christian lose it back. They didn't have a guy who's the guy from Ring of Honor that you want to make by beating Chris Jericho. Who? It doesn't feel like there's that person out there that you're building towards. And I don't. So I don't get what all of the Ring of Honor stuff is. Is doing here um, A lot of Renee on the show So it looks like they're going to try to get Renee involved A lot of Renee, possible. I love some Renee But holy cow, it was Renee night <laughs> She was she was earning her money for sure Busy She had to sit down with uh, with Brian Danielson And he, you know, he talked all about Daniel Garcia He talked about Wheeler Yuta Talking back to him And then Wheeler showed up and said he was You know, look what me and Claudio did And I'm a grown ass man so there's some drama there. I don't mind that. And then 
Brian Danielson ends up having a match with Sammy Guevara, which was very good in ring. Very good. Very good in ring. Here's my only thing, and this was brought up. I want to give credit to a couple different places. This was brought up on the Wrestling Inc. podcast, and I've actually heard this recently brought up on the Wade Keller podcast. We're a year away from All Out. Last year was All Out. Does Daniel Bryan feel like he's remotely as big of a deal right now than when he debuted? Absolutely not. No way. No way. And I don't, it's, he's having good matches. It's not as if the in ring work is bad. He's just, he's had a couple losses. He doesn't really cut promos ever, like very much at all. This was one of the few times recently where he's talked. And you, you wonder, I mean, you thought when Adam Cole, you had Punk making his in ring debut one year ago, Punk was about to wrestle for the first time. Daniel Bryan showed up, Adam Cole showed up. Punk is gone. He may never wrestle again. Adam Cole has a really bad injury. That's a bummer. And Brian Danielson is, he's a mid Carter right now. He's in the middle of the card. I don't, and that was, that's in one year. How quickly things have changed. I I mean, look, just, just look, it's hard to, it's hard to duplicate things you've done in WWE, but the yes movement was definitely the best thing that he's ever done. And that was in WWE. who is he right now? Right? Like that's, we, why, that's what I'm getting at. Absolutely. You're right. I don't know who we knew him in WWE as kind of an underdog. They told a story. Who is he right now? He well, came they, over they, here. They put him in Moxley and th- then they brought in uh Steven Regal or William Regal. And it, it's this is the greatest thing ever. And then Wheeler U is involved, and now it's just like he's having these Ring of Honor matches. I, it's hard, man. There's there's some I don't know what's going on moments again here in AEW. The matches are fine, but they're Th- this is not. Tele- and here and here's the thing: their no matches tele- are always going to be fine. And that's exactly like I believe her name is um, um, uh, NYC Demon Diva. Um, she's uh, she she does a lot of wrestling content too. And she was on Wrestling, and she said, "Look, their matches are always going to be fine. I'm not going to critique their ring work almost ever, especially when it's Brian Danielson and Sammy Guevara, Wheeler Yuta." In Claudio, but Brian Danielson isn't as over as he was before. Plain and simple, he just he's not. And why? I, I'm we're wondering why is that the case? You, we don't build to the matches enough. There's so there's just way too many times now where it's like, why why didn't why didn't we build a Penta John Moxley match a little bit? I mean, if you want to, if you want Penta to be the next guy to face John Moxley and not have it at a pay per view, I'm fine. Why do you just have random matches for the title? Like, what did Penta do to earn a title shot? I don't. Why not have him beat one or two guys? Show us that Penta looks a little bit formidable, and then you have him wrestle Moxley. They just they rely on the in ring work being good. Too much and it becomes lazy They don't build up any Storylines for the For the feuds I'm supposed to care about Like Moxley's In the middle of Building towards a big match at a pay-per-view With MJF like why is he even wrestling This match against Penta Right now Yeah, I, I don't know I, I, I didn't get it I, I, I don't know why that match had to be Involved because MJF you know it's You know if you make it past I, I just I didn't I didn't get it. I don't get it. It's just really, really frustrating to me. And this 
I think we just have to accept it, Gino. Um, I, there's just the reason why they're not growing is because of storylines and stars. It's, it's, they're it's not growing very simple. stars, man. They're just not. It's very simple. If you're not building the stories, people care less about the matches. You can have the greatest match in the world, but if I don't care or I don't really know why you're having a match or what the backstory is, I'm not going to invest nearly as much. We had a number one contenders match for the tag team championships. They sort of put themselves in a little bit of a weird spot because I don't think you wanted FTR to go and lose this match or FTR to go lose to the acclaimed, but you didn't really want the acclaimed to lose right now either. So I think the safest thing for them was having Lee and Strickland win because then they can lose again and you can keep the titles on the acclaim for a little while. It just didn't feel like they want to do the acclaimed FTR match quite yet. And so, I mean, really good tag work. Keith Lee had a couple very impressive spots in here, but I, I just feel bad again because it's like they threw cold water on, on FTR. That was like the hottest act on their show a month or two ago. And they, they just don't seem to be able to like, Time things out well like who's Who are we going to push right now it should right. always Be a few people we're Pushing and we can't push them all That right. you can't You you can't but now All of a sudden FTR Just doesn't feel quite as important as they did A few weeks ago No, few and, ago. And, and I think all signs point to The elite coming back here pretty soon And I think that's what they're they're Counting on to to pick Up on some feuds and new storylines But you know, after a couple of weeks where, you know, they were gone and there was no CM Punk, it kind of, you look, and I'm not hating on these guys. It, it, I'm just telling you what I see on tele- television, what I feel. It just kind of felt like a breath of fresh air for the next couple of episodes when AEW felt like they were in legitimate trouble with all this stuff happening with, with CM Punk, backstage fights and all this. Then they run a couple of episodes that are really good back to back. And so it's okay, breath of fresh air. But for some reason, over the last two weeks, it's felt like okay, we're we're back to being jumbled again. And I'm with you. I I think serving our swerving our glory, won to lose again. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I I hate that. I mean, it, nothing wrong with the match. I just think the booking just there's no investment for a legitimate pro wrestling fan. If you're in it for the matches, that's fine. But you know what? The attendances are smaller now. Um, the ratings just aren't growing as much. And I think they've kind of caught on that they're going to pick and choose their battles here, you know, with, with certain matches and certain stars. But uh, again, you have so many people on this roster you can push and choose from, and it just seems like they're, they're just chasing their own tail, so to speak. I don't understand what happened with MJF and the firm either. No, I, mean, they, I hate it. It's stupid. So they've... We never even saw them together at all At all like the, we didn't even MJF said that he He hired them like on retainer So it wasn't even like they were a faction together And then Now they're breaking up And MJF is Almost having like a full Baby face turn This is if I will say If this is all An MJF plot And he's going to do something dastardly And win the title I will at least appreciate the lengths that they go to, but MJF gets his ass kicked at the end of the show. Like it wasn't like he gets thrown through a table, he gets beat up, 
MJF basically has a full-on babyface turn at the end of the show After the main event match Moxley beats Penta And then the firm Morrissey, Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn Attack Moxley And Stokely comes down And we see that the Blackpool Combat Club Has been locked in their room So they can't get out (laughs) And Moxley is trying to fight them all off One by himself Then MJF comes down to the ring He acts like he doesn't know what he's going to do And he actually comes in Tells Stokely that he's fired And then they all start to beat down MJF They throw MJF Through the table And the firm stands tall But I It all This all feels like It's weird It's happening a little too fat Like too quickly Yeah And Yeah It's Like we didn't see anything with the The firm and MJF And now It it feels like these are two different storylines Right That like That is a good point Because you have MJF and the firm But then you have MJF and Moxley So what's the feud between MJF and Moxley now Are we gonna Don't tell me what we're gonna get here Are we gonna get it Are we gonna get it Can they coexist Can they coexist Are we gonna get Moxley and MJF On a tag team To see if they can coexist against the firm (laughs) Don't you dare Can we get it please If we Don't you dare If we get it I, and and any AEW fan that tries to be positive about that, you're gonna have to see. You're gonna have to talk with me and Chad because <laughs> open lines. <laughs> because we've been we've been crapping on that forever in WWE. So we will absolutely crap on that if they do it in AEW. <laughs> and we may get the can they coexist before their big match? MJF said he won't use the diamond stud or the diamond ring. On uh, on Moxley So he's trying to be a baby face um, I think we just had one or two more things to hit on From Dynamite, we already talked about that awesome Brian Danielson, Sammy Guevara match Brian gets the win in over 15 minutes We had The uh, match set up For next week Luchasaurus and Ray Phoenix and Orange Cassidy in a triple threat for the All-Atlantic Championship Then uh, Where's Miro? God I know Miro's Miro got There has to be a reason why he's not on TV, right? Yeah, like, if he is not the, the, yeah. able to be used, I'm not going to give AEW a hard time. Like, one hundred percent, he's hurt. But if he's yeah. just not on TV, like, what? What the hell? I know he it's did still, a movie gimmick, some little B movie yeah. gimmick or whatever, but that's over. You know, it's I just now, yeah. I just again, you go back and look. What's the best thing that's Rusev Day was probably his best thing, and it's just been downhill from there. I don't know. It's just frustrating because I thought these were, were legitimate signings for AEW, especially Me Miro. Too. Boy, he was I felt, he fe- Even now, whenever he shows up, he still feels like he could be that guy because the crowd still yeah, loves him. Even though he's yeah. never on TV or he's very rarely in matches at all, when he shows up, oh, they go nuts deal. for him. But – yeah, it's, it's it's been a bummer. We uh, had Riho versus Jamie Hader, and Jamie Hamer picks up the victory. And it looks like Jamie Hader will probably be the next in line for Tony Storm, as Tony Storm kind of came out and just kind of held up the title for uh to show her presence. The match 
went about 10 minutes Jamie looks pretty like imposing She looks strong, her offense looks pretty good And what I like about Jamie Hayter is that it's kind of been natural You know, like The crowd just kind of got behind Jamie At a couple of the pay-per-views And they've been the ones that have sort of been been Pushing her up the card a little bit And I, I actually think I don't know if they do this But I would be much more interested in the story if Jamie won the title and then Jamie and Brit. You just they would the uh, you just you just you just took my bone. That, right, that's what I was going to suggest: is her win the title, her go over Tony. It, it I would be much more intrigued because then that puts Brit in a weird spot and it kind of baby faces Jamie Hater a little bit, and then you could have fun with Jamie Hater and with Brit. I just Tony's been fine as the champ. I actually think her her matches have been pretty good. She doesn't feel no. she she's never felt like she was the biggest star in the women's division. It's always felt like it was Brit. And now you have Soraya come in and and you have someone like Jamie Hayter who's just kind of naturally over. I think it's it's Hayter's time. Let's let's do I it, Coop. Let's put I it do. on Hayter. I I I, to- I totally agree. That's where that's where I was going to suggest. And you and I are big Tony Storm fans, not hating on it. It's just the booking wise. You got to go with Jamie. She's hot right now. The fans are behind her and her and Britt. I, I, I know they're pushing this Britt Soraya deal. They had this thing again where Renee had to get between them. I'm not buying that. Uh, that just feels really cold. Jamie and Britt, I could get into. I could really get into. That would be a lot of fun. And that was AEW this week as we will build towards Crown Jewel next week. It'll be next weekend. On Saturday, so next week we'll be previewing Crown Jewel. We'll be continuing on the build for uh, AEW to the Moxley versus MJF match and NXT. I think they announced they're going to have one more pay per view this month, this year, right? I think a December uh, one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. December it makes up for WWE not having one in December. So they, uh, NXT will have uh, a pay per view then. Loop, before we let you go, talk to us about college football. Any uh, any games this week that you're looking at? Yeah, we had a pretty good weekend last weekend. You've had good um, weeks almost every week here, man. You've been very, very <laughs> you know, sharp. We, we didn't need the points. We didn't want the points with Marshall. We didn't really need them. They just destroyed James Madison. And we oh, tried yeah. to back in there with Mississippi State. And I kind of gave out another one. I, I thought South Carolina had a chance to cover with AM. No one thought that debacle was going to happen with AM. I have one good one here for you, man. Uh, I, I was. We were fortunate enough earlier in the year. You and I both were on Iowa State when they played the University of Texas. Heck, they thought uh, you and I thought that they could beat the University of Texas, and they should have. And they covered. in overtime. Yep. You know what? Off of bye week, they're coming home, and you talk about a debacle of a team. The Oklahoma Sooners are coming to Ames, Iowa, and Oklahoma's the favorite. Look, they're not a big favorite. They're like minus one, minus two. Iowa State, are you kidding me? This is a Super Bowl game. They can beat Oklahoma. They need this win to to be bowl eligible. They're getting a point, getting a point and a half. Hey, as a home dog, Iowa State, 10-3-1. That's all I need to hear. Venables is just, I think he's lost Oklahoma. They may have the better talent there, but you know what? I think Iowa State gets the job done here. I got a couple other leans. I know Michigan State has ruined Michigan's season over the last couple of years. Michigan is, what, minus 21, minus 22? I think this is the year the the, the Wolves, the Wolverines, blow out Michigan State. They just feel um, like they have so much more talent, right? Yeah, like they just and, feel and, way better. And, 
and I tried to look, Penn, I jumped on Penn State a couple of weeks ago. Me too. Michigan. We were both there, yeah. And Michigan just came out in the second half. I think Michigan has had this one circled on their calendar. I'm not going to say go ahead and play it because it is a big spread and it is a, a big rivalry game. But I think Michigan's on a crash course, them and Ohio State. But I love the Cyclones and Iowa State this weekend. Chad Cooper has been on fire all year long. You can give him a follow on Twitter and on Instagram at the Chad Cooper. He's a fantastic photographer too. If you follow along and check out some of his escapades, uh, some of the events that he's at, and some of the celebs. Yeah, I had a that fun he... week this week. I Post Malone and Lizzo back to back nights. Those, I was going to say, man, you get to knock boots with some of the with the who's who. So uh, if you if you're ever just sitting there sad and you're bored and you want to live vicariously through Chad Cooper, go get, go follow his Twitter and his Instagram and check out some of the places he's been. Coop, buddy, thank you so much. As always, you have a great weekend and. Uh, we'll preview some crown jewel and uh, talk a little Logan Paul next week. You got it, Gino. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. Make sure to go give Chad Cooper a follow there and stay tuned for more. Hey, big thank you to Chad for helping us out there as Chad, one of the best in the biz when it comes to talking wrestling. Eric, always talking NFL every single game, every single week with us. Now we will have Andor episode eight. She-Hulk, the finale, and an edition of the Old Wrestling Rewatch, SummerSlam 2013. John Cena and Daniel Bryan in the main event there. Brock Lesnar and CM Punk in a a really good no-DQ match. All of those will be coming on an episode this weekend, so stay tuned for more. Hopefully, we led you to a few winners here in football, in college football, in horse racing. Best of luck in all your plays, and get ready for next week. Breeders' Cup. It'll probably be three or four different shows trying to fit on all of the content there that we'll have for you next week. Good luck all weekend long.